have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. Welcome to episode six of the podcast now known as Got Till Five. Should we uh, refer to ourselves as uh, formerly the artist known as The Five Count? I think we should. It's only right. Yeah, so um, the podcast formerly known as The Five Count is now Got Till Five, rebranded last week with me, one of your hosts, Max Curtin, and my other host... Uh, Jesse Patrick Benz, that's my name. <laughs> Just never, ever going to introduce you again. You've got to... I don't, well, right, I'm never sure. We, did, we need to talk talk about this stuff in pre-production pre-production by the way is what you're hearing right now there is no actual <laughs> like pre-production going on on this show at all literally before we came on air we were talking about uh just how our week's been dinner yeah it's, it's been a nice week they'll be interested in what we've done outside of wrestling won't they what did you do last night Max? uh last night i went to the royal albert hall to see a concert for michael giacchino for his 50th birthday Michael Giacchino has done so much of your favorite music. Uh, we're talking Disney, Pixar, Star Wars, Marvel. Just think of any good movie of the past five to ten years, and he's done the music for it. And it was uh, a wonderful evening, which was very surreal, because you had people like J.J. Abrams come out, and Adam Savage from Mythbusters was presenting. <laughs> and then halfway through the evening, the great Gonzo came out, and they sung a, a duet together. I didn't know what world I was in, in all honesty. That sounds like the perfect evening. When I'm unsure what planet I'm on, you know it's been a good night. <laughs> and what about you? You've had a very exciting week with your outside interests of wrestling. I have. Um, I hate to... I've tried to um, not mention it on this podcast, because I want to keep things separate, but... I'm in a band, and my band supported the Hoosiers a couple of nights ago, which was very, very good. Um, in Stroud, which is one of the best gigs we've ever played, we now love Stroud. Everyone in Stroud is amazing. We had an amazing reception. The fans were incredible. And um, not only that, the bar staff, front of house, it was at the subscription rooms in Stroud. Everyone that we spoke to couldn't have been more lovely. Just everyone was awesome. It was a great night. Nice. I'm sad I couldn't get to that one. It did seem like a good night. Oh, it was great. Um but if you're not going to mention it again, you might as well get a cheap plug in. Get a cheap pop in. Should I do it? Okay, I'm in a band. I'm in a band called the Hawthorns. That's H A W T H O R N E S. A lot of people miss the E. And um, yeah, find us on Twitter or Facebook. Facebook better because we're quite lazy with Twitter. We just linked it up, so whatever we post on Facebook appears on Twitter. So find us on Facebook is the best one. And um, yeah, it's sort of folky folk pop. Would you call it? What would you call it, Max? I don't know what, really what to call you. Yeah, you got that folk pop vibe going on with uh, punk rock ethics, your DIY yeah. ethics going on. That's and a trumpet. You got to look out for. And a trumpet. Who can forget the trumpet? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, it's it, weird. We've had like a non. Like yeah, we've had a non wrestling week, which is quite bizarre. Like I've I've done no wrestling this weekend or last weekend, so I feel a bit withdrawn. You know what I've done the last couple of days is I've caught up with NXT. Oh yeah. Yeah, I've been watching about NXT for two ages. weeks behind. Right. Well, I I've basically caught up with I've watched the last couple, so there's a big, big gap between basically when when did I start watching? When Bobby Roode won the title, I sort of fell out of it a little bit. Jesus, and, that was a while ago. Yeah, uh, nothing against him or anything. I just sort of stopped watching. I don't know why, but um, the last couple yeah, the last couple of days I've watched the last three weeks or so. 
It's great. NXT's brilliant right now. Yeah, it, it's gone back to because there was that that definite lull. Yes, not in quality, but in I don't know interest. It just seemed like they were coasting along for a bit, but now they've just hit it again and they're back on it. Yeah, totally. It's got such a cool. It's almost got a sort of punky vibe to it at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, a lot of the characters and stuff definitely. Yeah, I love that. It's really cool, and I love having Drew McIntyre as a champion. I've said many times you- my uh, my love for that Adonis. Yeah, he's a beautiful man, isn't he? He's just, just um, yeah, he's beyond human, the way he looks. He's yeah, like a Scottish ridiculous. god. <laughs> and how are you feeling about the, were you like me when you saw uh, the start of the Velveteen Dream, Alistair Black thing? I got really excited about that, and I still don't understand why. Yeah, I'm still I'm still excited about it. We spoke about this a couple of weeks ago, didn't we? And um, I, at the time, I hadn't watched any of it, but... Um, the vibe I got from it was very Goldust Undertaker modernised, you know, and yeah. it's got that sort of thing to it. I like. Has um, Alistair Black actually spoken yet? Uh, I think he might have done a backstage kind of interview. Okay, but that's about it. That's a shame. I was hoping that he hadn't because I really like the idea of him just not promoing and remaining totally silent. I thought that'd be really really cool. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And just doing his little weird cross-legged. Yeah, I love that. And his kick. God, his finisher kick is so good. I'm still not bored of it. No, and I don't think I will for a long time. My favourite is when he kind of caught Hideo with it. Um, Yeah. Hideo just sold it like a champ. It's awesome. And also, I'm a massive... Undisputed Era, massive fan of, all of that stuff. Um, Terrible name. Awful name. Yeah, I don't understand what it means. No, not me. They should be called, like... Because basically, they're running a... um, Without saying it, they're trying to do a sort of Ring of Honor takeover, aren't they? Or it's like an indie yeah. wrestler-like team coming in and taking over NXT. And, yeah, they they could have such a better name. Indie Invaders, like, that would be better, surely? Like, or something? I'm not saying something. If Indie Invaders... Yeah, better... or just the Invaders. The Invaders would be fine. But I'm a massive fan of Carlo Riley. I've been for a long, long time. He was, like, my favourite guy to watch in Ring of Honor, my favourite guy to watch in Japan. There's just something about... Um, technical wrestlers with no personality that seem to catch my imagination <laughs> yeah the yeah. idea of the smart idea of putting him with adam cole baby and um and mr fish yeah just yeah otherwise don't, i think those two would have been lost in the shuffle which is a shame because they're so talented yeah i agree and i miss them terribly from new japan actually um if i'm honest i'd rather have them still in new japan but if they're going to be in nxt they're going the right way about it so far i think yeah 100 percent, 100 percent Right, so we have, um, as you would have seen, rebranded the show as we said at the top of it. Uh, now called Got Till Five. We're super searchable now. Yeah, uh, you put us in the Google, pop up straight away. Come on, you, come on, baby. Uh, find us on iTunes, Twitter, Acast, Stitcher, in, in everywhere. What the Just hell everywhere. is Acast? Acast is a probably one of the second most popular podcast hosting sites. The second most, really? I've never heard I think of it. So. <laughs> do, you, do you do a lot of research into podcast hosting? That's irrelevant, Max. Like the <laughs> the important bit is, have I heard of it? I've never heard of it. So it doesn't exist. <laughs> I mean, the real question here is, what is a podcast? What 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 even are we doing? <laughs> I have no idea where I am. <laughs> but uh, check us out on all of that. Like, subscribe, um, do all the lovely stuff that you guys have been doing. And review. Uh, yes, review. We want just reviews. Want review. Even if, even if you think we're shit just review us anyway i just want to read what people have to say 
Yeah, yeah, that's fair enough. That's justified. And uh, yeah, because you guys have been awesome listening to last week's episode. That was stupidly popular. Yeah, man. Uh, what was our we, subject last week? I can't remember. Uh, it was top five retired wrestlers versus current wrestlers. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Niche. Ate that up. Yeah, you guys smashed our first day download record, so I was very happy with that. I was convinced it would be an unpopular one just because... Uh, why do people care what we think? Do you know what I mean? It's better to sort of like top five, no mercy matches, stuff like that. People, I, I assumed people would listen to that more because everyone has their own favorite, no mercy matches and they want to see if they're on the list, but some it as sort of weird as retired wrestlers versus current wrestlers. I didn't think would be that over with people, but it really seemed yeah. to be, which is awesome. Yeah. Everyone liked it. And that brings us on to this week. This week's top five is, um, we're exploring our our own personal top five stor- favorite storylines from the past. Uh, we all know the major famous storylines of the um, take, for example, McMahon and Austin. Um, I'm blanking on ones now. <laughs> it's hard, isn't it? It's really hard to actually sort of. But think you know those iconic, really those kind of story. iconic storylines that everyone kind of knows about. Those Hogan kind of- Andre. Hogan Andre, yeah, Kane coming back and his thing with Undertaker, you know, all super famous. We wanted to take back because we've been watching wrestling for for a fair few years now. So we want to take the top five that have kind of stuck out to us and ones that always remember. Not necessarily saying that they're great or they're iconic or that they even matter, really. Yeah. But they kind of stick out in our heads and it was a little bit more challenging than we thought for some reason. Oh, man. I don't know why we struggle with this. Well, we were talking about this before we went on air, and you found it hard because there's so many storylines that have affected you. And mm. I found it hard because there's so few. Like, there's... I suppose it's because of the wrestlers I like. I like my Dimalenkos. I like my Redacteds. And... <laughs> <laughs> First one of the night. <laughs> and because of that... Like, these wrestlers are technical and they put on incredible matches, but they're not always put in the most incredible storylines, really. And so I enjoy really good matches without worrying about what led to that match. No, you're a purist at heart. Exactly. AWA is my bag, baby. <laughs> yeah, you're a bit obsessed with AWA. Well. <laughs> I am a bit obsessed with AWA. That's because there is... Um, I hate to plug another one, but they are amazing. Um, there's a podcast called The Lapsed Fan. Um, which is my favourite podcast at the moment, with the exception of ours, of course. And okay. um, and they did, a, back in January, a long time ago now, they did an AWA journey and just recapped a bunch of old shows. And it was just brilliant. It just made me completely fall in love with AWA and the way that place was run. It, it's all on the network. There's a lot of AWA stuff. Definitely watch it. It's worth your time. I think I'll have to go back because I have watched that documentary. It must have come out like 10 years ago now, uh, the AWA documentary. Very good. Yeah. And taught me a lot about it. Um, but I've never just sat and watched shows like back to back. So. Oh, that's great. I think. Fern Gagne was such a carny promoter. Like he was the first proper carny. It's amazing. Oh, carny wrestling. Jesse's one description of the whole business. I know. It is all carny wrestling. Just as soon as you start taking it too seriously, just remember it's a carny fake sport. <laughs> And tomorrow, because we're recording this on a Saturday versus our usual Thursday, uh, and we're kind of glad that we've we've waited, because obviously Jesse had the gig and then I was away yesterday, so it's kind of worked out in our favour because there is some huge TLC news, which I'm sure everybody is aware of right now. Um, there's some kind of viral virus going around backstage, there's talks of... Meningitis! Mumps. Yeah, meningitis, That's what I mumps. Heard. Yeah. Could be all sorts, but it's taken out... Bray Wyatt, I think Jojo, 
Uh, <laughs> what are we going to do without Jojo? We won't be able to announce the same. Maybe we'll get Fink, Fink back tomorrow. Oh, that'd be Fink amazing. Tony Schimmel, that's who I want. Yeah, let's get Tony in yeah. there. And most importantly, Roman Reigns has been taken out of action, which has led to The Shield having to find a third member, and it's Kurt Angle. It is Kurt Angle. This, um, I'm not as excited as I should be. Like, Kurt Angle coming back is obviously amazing. He's one of my favourite wrestlers. He's had matches with my favourite wrestlers that are my favourite matches. But coming back at such short notice with no build in a ladder match just seems... Is it a ladder match, though? I think so. I um, You might have to confirm that for me. But he, I'm pretty sure it's a ladder match. And I mean, it's at, it's at TLC. It's got to be, right? It's got to be something like that. Let's have a look on the old... Uh, yeah, five on three tables, lads and chairs match. Yeah, okay, yeah, TLC match. And um, what's the show called again? But um, <laughs> it's it's just weird. I, I thought we were going to have... He was going to come back at Mania, have a match at Mania, and we were going to have a good build in a couple of months before, and it was going to be a really good draw. But it feels like he's just been thrown in. Yeah. Well, this is one thing I'm not really... Under- I didn't really understand this match to begin with. Like, I understand that the Shield versus Miztourage. Yeah. But now it's become... It was a five-on-three match, which kind of boggled my mind. And then I thought, like, oh, maybe when the match happens, the Shield are going to call on some people. But then I'm like, well, then you've got a five-on-five Survivor Series match. Yeah. A month before Survivor Series. That that can't be it. So it must just be the odds are against them, and they try and round a couple more people up, maybe? That's what I thought. And then Kane came out last Monday and joined the match. And I thought, oh, cool. This is great. Like, so Kane's coming back. So he's going to, they're going to run this angle about, you know, Roman Reigns retired Undertaker. They retired Kane's brother. So Kane's going to be pissed off about that. He's seeking revenge on Roman Reigns. They're going to build this next week towards TLC. Then I checked the calendar and I was, oh, wait, TLC is this Sunday. They have no time to actually do that storyline. It's just happening. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of that. His surprise, by the way, fantastic. Oh, God, like, amazing. I love Kane. Yeah, and there was no no leaks, no nothing. No. It was a genuine surprise. I was really happy. Yeah, I, lo- I love that stuff. And yeah, in this age, when you could keep things that spoiler-free. Yeah, and how good did him and Braun look together? Had that old Brothers of Destruction vibe going on. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'd like to see something like that. I mean, we, mu- we must be reaching the end of Kane's career. We must be. Uh, so I'm hoping that he's back now and we're going to lead to a really good WrestleMania retirement match for Kane this yeah. April. Yeah, that'd be great. I think I think well-deserved, well-deserved. And Hall of Fame um, next year. So I, I don't know what they're doing with this match. Um, it, it's amazing. I'm so happy to have Kurt back. But as you say, in a ladder match, it's weird. In a three-on-five situation, it's weird. It, it just doesn't make sense it's it, just, just straight it just feel it just feels like they can make so much money out of really promoting and hyping up the return of kurt angle in ring but the thing is like the news today on it has um because obviously if you're a wrestling fan you might subscribe to the squared circle on reddit it went to the top of the actual reddit front page almost immediately i had people who aren't even massive wrestling fans sending me like news links this morning yeah saying oh Kurt's back, and I was like, "Yeah, yeah, I know. How do you know?" <laughs> so the fact that they knew that that was going on means it's just that that bigger thing, and that's how crazy it is. So I just love that this pay per view has gone from a yeah, yeah, I'd like to I'll watch the highlights and see the Shield wrestle again to 
I might watch this live tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. I'm that that excited for it. And then the other news: AJ versus Finn. Thank you, AJ, for saving us from the creator wrestler train wreck of the Pumpkin Man versus the transgender weirdo. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, I mean, tell me that you wouldn't have been slightly interested in the Pumpkin Man versus the transgender weirdo because. I, it was just that image. It was that image of like Bray with the veil, and it just didn't. Oh, uh, just didn't. Just a bit weird. Head. Yeah, I know. But yeah, but this way we now get um, Bullet Club leader versus Bullet Club leader. Think about it like that. Hundred percent, hundred percent, and that's going to be because um, if you're just tuning into the show for the first time, me and Jesse do a prediction series for every pay per view. We do. So we'll predict what the matches are, and then we'll wait for. We'll also predict what we think Mouts is going to give the star ratings on them, um, and then whoever loses has to do an unfortunate forfeit. Uh, check out the YouTube uh, channel for Got Till Five to see what's happened previously. Jesse's bumhole can attest to, to what's happened. In the past. <laughs> it, yeah, it can actually talk on its own now. That's what's happened to it. Have we spoken since you ate, ate the Komodo dragon chili? Uh... On the- no, no. This is, is this the first show? Is this the first show we've done since I um, ate the Komodo dragon? I think it might be. God, this is exhausting keeping up with this. I know, There's right? So I can't pay-per-views. remember what happened. So Jesse's last forfeit was he had to eat one of the hottest chilies in the world. I think it's like one of the fourth or fifth hottest chili in the world called a Komodo dragon chili. Ah, uh, the video you sent me was so funny because he was a bit cocky at the start. He was like, "Ah, this isn't bad," and then it hit. You could see it in your eyes when it hit. Oh man, I thought I was so. I watched that video back, and I'm quite a pale chap, and I was like red by the end of that video. My face had just gone a very dark pink. It was like a cartoon, right? <laughs> rose from the bottom. Oh man, I thought I liked spicy food, but it turns out that I don't know the first thing about it. Jesse's just been eating like cauliflower all week, bread, <laughs> just the blandest food possible. Oh god, it was horrendous. It was awful. And um, do you know Five Guys, the um, burger place? I do. I do. I was there last night. Well, um, the the day I did that video is the day that um, Five Guys opened in Cheltenham. So I went down after that to get one because it's like, oh, it's opened. It'll be great. Like a nice grand opening and stuff. And I was just so not in the mood <laughs> after having that chili. <laughs> I was just miserable the whole time. Uh, so, for my own personal safety, I have to win this TLC challenge. But it's so unpredictable, right? Like, because the matches have just been turned on the head. If we'd done this podcast when we were supposed to, yesterday or the day before, our predictions would be all over the place because all the matches have changed. Yeah, yeah, we wouldn't know what to do. Because I, I don't even know what to rate AJ and Finn, what that's going to be. That's going to be match of the night. I'm saying it now. I reckon that's going to be the highest rated match. Oh, that that's a match of wet dream. He's going to be watching it in... Uh... In like <laughs> his sports uh, sports direct trousers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I think if like, and I think Finn and AJ like, well, AJ coming in on short notice and Finn being Finn, um, they're gonna want to put on an incredible match just to prove they can. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Such short notice. AJ's gonna want to steal that definitely. Yeah, exactly. And Finn's want gonna want to show that he can work on short notice with people. Show the office that they should be doing better with him because they should be, quite frankly. And I feel like, yeah, that's going to be match of the night for me. And that's why when we do our predictions, I'm going to rate it the highest. Yeah, and I think we'll be very similar in that. Do you think Finn's still going to demon up? It doesn't really make sense for him to demon up now. I know they've promoted it, but... Yes, yeah, difficult one, isn't it? Um, uh, I'm going to say no. Are we going to add an extra point for this? Will Finn demon up or not? Oh, we could do. Should we do that? Because I don't think... I. I... 
Oh, I don't know. I think he might, just because they've got the paint. Why not? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I suppose they would have paid someone to paint him, wouldn't they? Yeah. Oh, I don't we'll know. We'll... I'm going to say no. I'm going to say he won't. Oh, it's going to be, it's going to be a tense one. Yeah. We'll, we'll get to our TLC predictions and we'll see how, what's going to happen. Um, but we should probably get to, uh, should we talk about some like top fives? Should we, should we do, should we do that? that? Should we, week? should we do, should we do what we're here for? Yeah. Mix it up a little bit. Do a top five. Very well. Very well. Uh, very well. We need so to, just... we need to sort out, by the way, you know, we do this yeah. pre-chat about like what's going on and it's all very good and nice. Yeah. And this is coming back to um, why we probably need pre-production, by the way. Um, <laughs> we should, uh, I mean, you're the technical genius, so you need to sort out some sort of jingle that transitions us from this pre-chat into our top five. Okay. Well, I need to make a new jingle for the start and the end of the show, because we're not the five cat anymore. Thank you, Byron Saxton. Um, a fun little fact for, for listeners, we originally meant to be called Got Till Five when we started the show. That was meant to be the original name. But I started like mixing the intro and I found this uh, promo by Big E, which we've been using for the past couple of weeks. And uh, Byron Saxon says the five count. And I thought it sounds so cool. I kind of mixed it in with the intro and I had it played so much in my head that Byron Saxon changed the name of the show to five <laughs> count without even realizing it. Well, we, we I, 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 I find it hard to hate Byron Saxon because he's got this sort of innocent puppy dog look on his face all the time where you just can't. You can't be horrible to it because you just look so happy to be there. So I forgive you, Byron, but Max hates you. Yeah, so much extra work. So this is our top five for this week. Our top five this week focuses on mine and Jesse's personal, most memorable storylines from our time of watching wrestling. Um, storylines that have gone through and have kind of stuck out in our memory. Uh, the most for whatever reason. Good, bad, who even knows? Um, did you go first last week? I can't remember. Who even knows it? Who's keeping track? I'll go first this week then. My number five most memorable storyline for me is um, one that I feel like you think should be will think should be lower, but uh, th- there's there's other reasons. But my number five is the Edge versus Matt Hardy storyline from two thousand five. Ah, nice! I, I hadn't even considered that. That might have even made my top five if I thought about this harder. That's a good one. I feel like it just blew your mind a little oh, bit. Oh, man. I was like, because that was MSN era, right? When that was happening. It was. It was 2005. So mm-hmm. um, when that was all going on, it was when I was in my heyday of being at school. I was doing my GCSEs then. I was on MSN every evening. Like, that was my life. I'd go to school. I'd go home. And I'd be on MSN for like three or four hours that evening. That's all I'd do. And the internet in general. MySpace and stuff. And yeah. God, like... Matt Hardy, so Matt Hardy got released because of all that drama. And then he was posting all the videos and stuff like that and sort of counting down. And then there was the, do you remember Bite This? Yes. Bite yeah, This, the, with the phone show. In. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, that was really good with Todd Grisham and Tommy Dreamer were hosting it and they used to get guests in. Lita was in. Uh, Matt Hardy phoned in one week and I was watching Bite This when all that happened and it just blew my mind. It was, the first time a wrestling storyline had come at me from a totally different angle. Like, it had come at me purely from the internet and wasn't being acknowledged on telly. It was awesome. Cheers for doing my top five, Dan. Appreciate it. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, tell me why you like this story. No, it's exactly that. You exactly nailed it. It was the first time they kind of blurred the reality of wrestling reality. Because at that point, you knew, okay, it's all scripted and all of this. But this was the first time it was like... 
something outside had spilled over inside and it just oh it just works so well yeah that bite this interview with lita and she's on there and then she just starts going off at matt and just you're not my man no more and all of this oh, just... <laughs> she didn't say that <laughs> she didn't say that at all, but it was along that kind of vibe of line yeah um but yeah they just kept going at it and this is what really cemented edge you know as that scumbag heel would he have been even as close to the scumbag heel he is without this storyline? I said it. I highly doubt it. I said it. I think I said it last week. Um, Edge is only over when he's shagging someone, whether it's Lita <laughs> or Vicky Guerrero. That is when he's at his best. When he's in a storyline where he's shagging another big heel. Yep, and he's and he's using it to his advantage. Yeah. And yeah, it was just you know because. Matt got fired and the crowd immediately went behind him. It was really a... Well, I was about to say it's a really dumb move by WWE to kind of fire him, but it worked out tremendously for them. Yeah. The reason this ended up as number five is because the storyline was great. The backstage, you know, we were all online. You were researching everything. This was like the first and only time I've ever got really into trolling. I used to go on like the Hardy fan message boards and be like, ah, Ed Stoll eater. You know, <laughs> Did you really? Yeah, I used to love it. People got so passionate and I loved winding them up. Good for you. That's brilliant. Still stuck behind Edge even when he was a bastard. Loved it. Because he was... um, Was he still married at the time? Yeah, I think so. But not to anyone famous. And no one gives a shit about that. It was Val Venus' sister. Was he really? Yeah, Val Venus' sister. I did not know that. Fun fact. Um, So... Yeah, that happened, and then he was just in the start of this scumbaggy, heely stage, and it just, yeah, took it to another level. Do you remember when Matt, they, they kind of re-signed him in secret, and he showed up in the crowd? Yes. And the crowd just went mental, and you were like, is he just, is he like crashing raw? Is he back? Like, he named what's drops, happening? He named Drop Ring of Honor. He, he's the first wrestler to name Drop Ring of Honor on WWE telly. Yeah, yeah, and you know you had security trying to like drag him out and just made it feel so so real. And as you say, that's kind of the first time. I'm sure there are examples, and you know, use that as one of the comments to criticize us. But to me, that's one of the first time that that reality line had properly properly been blurred. Yeah, what was going on? Um, yeah, it, it's number five because unfortunately the matches afterwards, such as the street fight and things of that nature, weren't great. They became they became just normal WWE again, didn't they? Once we were yeah. all clear that Matt Hardy was definitely back legitimately and all that, it was just and they they almost had too much respect for each other, so they just worked these sort of ordinary matches as if they would anyway, you know? Yeah, and then you got into the weird like marriage angles and stuff and uh I, I thought the loser leaves raw, the one to kind of end of it in the ladder match, was pretty good. Obviously they can do a lot more in terms of ladder matches as we've seen in the past, but it was it was still a pretty decent match. Uh, I think I remember as well Matt Hardy doing a side effect off the stage with Edge, and that was like a holy shit moment as well. Yeah, totally. That was when you weren't sure if Matt was employed or not, kind of weirdness. So, yeah, uh, could have picked a lot of Edge storylines, but I think there are no none more iconic than that one. Yeah. And more that stand out in my head more than that one. Totally agree. That's a great choice. Beat that, buddy. Well, I will, because my number five um, completely disproves what you just said about the um, first time where you know it's fake, but this feels like it could be real, and I'm not sure. 
So my number five is um, the Outsiders invading WCW. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. How stupid of me. Yeah. And I, I understand that this... <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> yes, you are. And I understand that this birthed um, the NWO and is a massive... One of the most biggest storylines in all of wrestling. So putting it number five seems quite low, I understand. But to, I didn't actually watch it when it happened. In it all happened in 1996. I was six years old. I wasn't really watching wrestling when I was six years old, so I didn't I didn't see it as it happened. So it didn't have as profound effect on me as it could have done. But I have since, you know, as a wrestling fan, gone back and watched it all and absolutely love it. And just Kevin Nash and Scott Hall coming into WCW was incredible. And it was that, you know, it was Eric Bischoff will deny this because there was court cases and stuff, but he booked it as if. Kevin Nash and Scott Hall were still employed by the WWF and they were coming over to invade WCW. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, that's obviously how it was booked. And there's actually, in a way to prevent this, there's actually a really weird um, moment on, I've blanked now, it might have been the Great American Bash, I might be wrong. It's it's the um, pay-per-view before Bash at the Beach when um, Nash and Hall come out and they're talking to Bischoff and the whole segment ends in Nash... um, uh, what's his finisher called? The power bomb and the power bomb oh. variation. Jackknife. Uh, jackknife. The jackknife power bomb. He jackknifes him um, off the <clears throat> off the stage. Uh, but during during that bit, before he does that, they're all talking, and then Bischoff goes, "Just to be clear, do you work for the WWF?" And then they both go, "No." And it's just a really weird bit in the middle of this promo. And the reason they did that is because of the court case, so that they could say, uh. they, so that they could say, "We're definitely not." Um, you know, booking this and pretending that they still work with the WWF. But aside from that, the whole thing was awesome. They were nameless for a long time. Like, they didn't know what to call them. They were just sort of, well, the fans knew them as Razor Ramon and Diesel, right? But they yeah. um, they couldn't use those names on WWF telly. Um, so they were nameless for a long time. And eventually, according to DDP, on table for three, I think it was, I saw, DDP is the one that said, your names are pretty cool anyway. Scott Hall and Kevin Nash are cool names. Just go with them. So they yeah. did. But, um, but yeah, the, the, uh, the back to this court case quickly. WF was so like, I mean, they said that Scott Hall wasn't allowed to speak with an accent. He wasn't allowed to have a bit of curly hair in the middle of his head because these are all <laughs> Razor Ramon traits. It's how ridiculous is that? So he wasn't allowed to do any of that stuff, but just the whole thing. And when, and when Hulk Hogan joined them, um, and it became the NWO awesome as well I think the whole build up and then this obviously spawns Sting recreating himself to Crow Sting yeah. leads to Star K 1997 in an incredibly disappointing um, main event with Ooh, that's Sting and Hulk Hogan yeah but but the whole build up to that I would include that in this storyline just Nash and Hall coming in all the way up to Sting overthrowing the NWO at Star with the exception of the actual match, was just a stunning time in wrestling. It was incredible. Oh, 100%. It, it is one of the most iconic uh, moments, and you're right for it to have it stand out in your head completely, because it is, as you say, it, it was a chain reaction from, you know, on commentary when they're like, what what are these guys doing here, and who are they? Uh, that whole classic WCW of playing dumb. I, we should do a top five WCW commentary because there's been some blinders. Oh God! Well, Heenan did a lot of it, so you could you could do a top. 
I could I could do a top one hundred Heenan lines in, in commentary. <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, that's a, that's a very solid choice because, as you say, it just carried on. It just didn't stop from there. And with the NWO, what would WCW be? You know, that's always been the debate that's kind of gone on. Well, it made it and it killed it. It's um, it's a debate for another day. But you can um, you can credit the NWO for so much, and you can also accuse them of so much damage to the business as well. But it depends which way you look at it. I damage. The minute you give them, if you give Kevin Nash or Hulk Hogan booking control, you signed your own death warrant as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I, I agree. But Hulk Hogan had had um, booking rights before he was with the NWO, you know, and it's it's a difficult one. So Hulk Hogan joining the NWO was awesome, right? But just in, yeah. but jumping into fantasy booking quickly, imagine if the third man was Shawn Michaels. Ooh. Just imagine that because of the click and everything. And yeah, yeah. if Shawn Michaels had come out as the third guy, because in 96 and 97, he threatened to go to WCW so many times because that was like 90s arsehole Shawn, which I have a very, very dear place in my heart for. You really and, relate to him, don't you? I really do. Actually, I got a, um, um, Bobby today bought me as an early anniversary present a belt buckle of the winged eagle. Um, WWF title which I'm wearing right now and I most closely associate that title with 90s dickhead Sean so I'm proud to wear it I'm still waiting for that uh, Playboy Playgirl cover shoe <laughs> well right I've got the belt now so that could be your next um, if I lose the next forfeit you could do that for me and I could do it with this belt <laughs> I think I think the listeners might get a little bit worried if I'm like um, I need you to take pictures of yourself <laughs> Naked. Just wearing a belt. <laughs> yeah, just wearing... I mean, this this is a belt buckle. It's not as big as the actual belt, so I might have oh, to... Oh, I'm sure it'll cover all of I that. might have to wrap myself round a couple of times, but yeah, we can we can, <laughs> we can make this work. Uh, solid choice. Solid choice there. Okay. Uh, my number four choice stays in the WCW realm. Nice. Um, I've talked about this match a lot, and you know I've talked about this whole feud and series for a while and I'm going to have so many people listening to this just groan and go wow <laughs> it was awful but I'm ready the, pro- the program between Sting and Vampiro <laughs> <laughs> I, let, let me just preface this I knew this was bad I think even as a kid I knew this was bad but this is the feud that got me obsessed with wrestling so this is what sticks out in my head okay as, and like you know, some people have like what Hogan, Hogan Warrior, Rock Austin. I get Sting Vampiro. Nice. Tell me about it. it. Tell me what was so good about it. Nothing. There was nothing. <laughs> about it. Okay, good. So my number four. So back in the old glory WCW days, uh, they decided to put these two as a tag team called uh, Brothers in Paint. That was their tag team name. We're talking like high class Eric Bischoff creative genius right here brothers and paint it's a solid it's a solid name yeah um and then no surprise vampiro turned on sting both men ended up going into the u.s title tournament and they kept interfering in each other's matches uh sting ended up beating vampiro to go into the finals and he faced big pop big pop of pump scott steiner yes he did during the match vampiro came out from beneath the ring drags sting down covers his face in blood jam whatever we're not too sure what happens. And um, then it would kind of go pretty much back and forth on TV with them interfering on each other's matches. Um, and then this is this is the moment that sticks out in my head the most, is uh, they main-evented Nitro. 
and it was meant to be a first blood match and they kind of built it throughout the show and I thought, oh, Sting, you know, for, for a kid to see a character like Sting and a character like Vampiro and then to throw the words blood in there just made me go, ooh, colour me intrigued. So I, I always remember yeah, sitting there with my Nesquik milkshake. I remember this very vividly. <laughs> my Tesco value ready salted crisp. <laughs> Beyond excited for this match that was going to happen. Such a village match- boy. <laughs> village boy might have a different meaning. <laughs> um, the match is about five minutes long. That's it. Yeah. And it's, it's Vampiro not getting tossed over the top rope correctly. I watched it earlier today to remind myself and it was just, Oh, it was just not a good match at all. It was just Vampiro getting dumped out the ring constantly and then kicked by Sting. And then <laughs> he gets out and he gets on the announce table and he does the cutthroat thing because he's the Undertaker apparently. And all of this blood, wink, wink, falls from the ceiling. And then Sting looks like a baby deer on ice, just sliding around trying to stand up. <laughs> I reckon, I reckon, you say wink, wink, I reckon it was blood. I reckon Flair was just slashing his forehead <laughs> backstage into buckets. <laughs> I'll sort it out for you, brother. Flair, are we done? we got five minutes till show. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> and then you had the new blood come out, which was Steiner, Bagwell, Kidman, and some other people. They just start kicking him and kicking him, and then they attached his little harness to his back and then hung him from the ceiling. So there's, like, a childhood hero of mine hanging from the ceiling, covered in blood. Never been more happy in my life. Um, <laughs> and then the feud just got weird. It got, yeah, yeah. weirder than that, if you can believe. Um, there was a case of they went to um, Slamboree, and I think this was meant to be the end. Sting beat him. Uh, clean, no issues, and you think feuds are over. It's done. This is WCW we're talking about. So Sting moves on, he challenges for the world title, Vampiro shows up again, drags him down, covers him in blood, and you're like, what What the hell? What? thought this was done, guys. Let's, let's leave this. Um, yeah. And then they realise blood isn't enough, so they start introducing fire into the mix. So. Obviously. It, obviously, why wouldn't you? <laughs> uh, so Vampiro challenges Sting to an Inferno match. Um, Sting basically goes, that's stupid. <laughs> but babyface logic being babyface logic that it is, he went, I never back down from a challenge. You know, I don't agree with the idea of setting someone on fire, but since I'm being challenged to do so, I don't have another choice, do I? Babyface logic at its finest. So American Bash was an inferno match with a torch suspended above the Titan Tron because Sting could possession it wherever he wants and Vampiro was afraid of heights. You know, there's layers to this. There is, it's there's complex. Layers. So they do this whole thing where they start climbing the Titan Tron and the lights start flickering and you can't see what the hell is going on. Um, and then Sting suddenly, his hair colour changes and he's a different height, but he's in Sting makeup. So it's clearly a stuntman fighting <laughs> Vampiro at this point. And then Vampiro lights Sting on fire and he falls off the Titan Tron, Shane O'Mac styling, and um, while we're on fire and you're WCW announcers, and this is what we were talking about before, in their classiest of ways, bearing in mind Owen Hart had died not even a year before, they were saying that that fool's killed him, and they were doing it in the way of, like, how JR delivered the news of Owen Hart dying. Not only that, not only that, did you know as well, this was the same arena. Really? It's the same building that Owen died in that they did this. Jesus. Yeah. That adds a layer, doesn't it? 
That does. And then you got like Scott Hudson saying, we, we just saw Steve Borden, not Sting, Steve Borden mm. try to kill himself. And it's just like, what the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> um, so that's my fourth most standout moment in a, for a storyline. And I wish it wasn't. <laughs> I love it. I love that you picked one that, um, that isn't good as well. Cause I, I haven't done that. All my ones are, I, I enjoyed. But I mean, I mean, you enjoyed yours at the time. I did enjoy you? it. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Without all of that happening, without all of that stupid stuff that I felt like I had to sneak around and watch because it was all violent and crazy and, you know, I had to hide watching it. Would my love of wrestling have continued? I needed those two ridiculous people with their stupid face paint and their fire and their blood to kind of go and do that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. Well, like, uh, I mean, they're not in my top five, but um, the whole Undertaker Kane stuff um, when I was a kid um, was like, hit me quite hard as well. Just because when you're a kid, you like that supernatural sort of over the top looking characters, like proper real life superheroes, you know? Doing, yeah, I'm not doing looking stuff. for Regal, Malenko. Yeah, exactly. And, and I wasn't, I wasn't when I was eight or nine years old either. You know, it's, um, you want the over the top big characters. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, top that with your number four. Nice. Okay. Well, I don't know. If, I don't know if I'll top it, but I'm going to do a quick test for. Can you hear this? Can you hear anything? No, I can't hear anything. Can you hear anything? I can hear you tapping. Yeah. Ah, nice. Good. I was just making sure the correct mic was working because I was unsure. Because I've got a mic attached to these headphones and a big mic set up, and I suddenly had a panic and I thought, oh god, has my big mic not been working? And I've been working off this tinny little mic that's attached to my headphones the whole time. But forty not- minutes in, I know. Yeah. Decide to do a, an not, audio. Not, not only forty minutes, six weeks in. <laughs> <laughs> but we're all good. Um, okay. Um, so, so number four um, for me is um, um, I, I build this as. Um, the Hart Dynasty versus the United States of America in 1997. Okay. So this is um, Bret Hart, Owen Hart, Jim Neidhart, Brian Pillman, and um, David Boy Smith versus America in 1997. So Bret Hart was the heel champion. And they had this Canadian stable talking about how much they hate America all through 1997. And... I, I, it must have been done on purpose, but it seems weird. I, I need to look into this properly because on one hand, it's so perfect because it's felt like every third roar or so was in Canada. So you'd have two weeks of the Hart Dynasty being these massive heels. And then all of a sudden we'd have a roar in Canada where they were just the biggest baby faces ever. Mm-hmm. That was so cool. That was so ahead of its time because they weren't, they weren't heels everywhere. They were faces when they played in Canada. At the house shows in England and Germany and places like that, the fans resonated with the Hart Dynasty and Bret Hart. It was just awesome. It was so yeah, cool. It, it's, it's a good shout because, as you say, that takes forward planning. They must have had forward planning for that. Well, they must- I, I'm sure it might have happened naturally, but they must have ran with the ball. Yeah, absolutely. And it just, it just worked so well. And the best moment is have you watched um, in your house canadian stampede i have not ah oh, if you claim to be a Bret Hart fan you have to watch this it's um a um, the main event is a five on five tag team match right not survivor series style just first fall to a finish 
five on five tag team match. It's the Hart Dynasty against Stone Cold Steve Austin. Go check this out for a team. Stone Cold Steve Austin, Ken Shamrock, the Legion of Doom, and Gold Dust. And so you're your perfect all American team, right? Yeah. <laughs> Really sums up what America's all about. Yeah, yeah. Beating your wife and yeah, exactly. And... <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but those five uh, all American and they. I mean, Pillman's American, but he was um, trained by the Hearts and everything. And they so they had this five on five match. And, and at this point, Stone Cold was on the rise as the biggest draw in the business. He wasn't quite there yet, but he was on the rise as being the big star. But in Canada, they did this main event. The American team were booed, booed, booed. And it was great, actually, because Stone Cold had obviously missed the boo in a bit and he really got into it. But you know CM Punk's entrance at Money in the Bank 2011 in Chicago and how loud that pop was? The entrance for the Hart Dynasty, they all come out separately. Their entrances are like that, but for each person, it's amazing. So Pillman comes out to this massive pop from the Canadian fans. This um, this girl band that I've never heard of, they look like the Dixie Chicks, but they're Canadian um, three girls sing the national anthem in the ring first, the Canadian national anthem. The crowd are going ape shit. All the Hart family were at ringside. Stuart and Helen and um, some of the other Hart brothers and stuff. Bruce Hart's there. I hate Bruce Hart with a passion. He's a dick. Um, <laughs> they're all there. The crowd are going mental just as each member of the Hart family come out. Honestly, you have to watch it. It's just such an amazing moment. And when you see, and when you watch the pre-package and everything, where every ma- every show they do in America, which is most of them, they're being booed and they're the heels and they're saying how ungrateful America is and all this stuff. And then they get this resounding ovation when they turn up for Canadian Stampede. It's just, oh man, it's it's hard to explain, really. But and this, I think you nailed it. I, I never, I'm just a little bit dumbfounded because I never expected Jesse to have in his top five a something Canadian and b something relating to Bret Hart. I'm just I know. A little bit shook right now. I know. Well, I mean, I've always been a big fan of Owen Hart, and um, I've always been a big fan of the British Bulldog as well. So that helps. But and I do like as much as I sort of take the piss out of Bret Hart and stuff. He was good at his job, and he just played this in '97. He just played this so well. The, he was a good, really good heel, but also really good at sort of. When he knew the fans were on his side, he could carry on being that heel, but was almost like put his thumbs up to the audience. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I, I remember the them going to shows and stuff because obviously this built into Survivor Series in Montreal, and that was always yeah. the big the big thing of it being a case of you know hated in America, loved in Canada. One of the main reasons you didn't want to drop the bat in Canada. Yeah, and when you hear that out of context, you think, come on, Brett, you're being a dick, like, just drop the belt. But it's not until you watch shows like Canadian Stampede where you realise what it was like. What it what it would have meant it if was, you did actually it was, the belt to Sean. God, it was heads and tails. Like, how they were perceived in America and how they were perceived in Canada, it was so ahead of its time. It wasn't face... I mean, even, you watch Canadian Stampede, watch the opening montage of the, of the whole show, so just stick it on the network, start it playing... And the um, voiceover guy is sort of saying, we no longer have good and evil. We have shades of grey. And like even they're, they're acknowledging it straight from the start of the show, that that is what they're doing. And they just play it perfectly. 
It's and it, and it's a really good match. It's a really good match, the main event of Canadian Stampede, and definitely worth watching for anyone. And gives you a whole different appreciation of the Hart family and Dynasty. Okay, you've sold me on that. I will be putting that on after the show. Please, I'll have it on in the background when I'm editing. Yeah, man, do it. It's uh, uh, make sure you're not editing when they come out. Just watch their entrances because it's just stunning. The ovation they get is incredible. Solid choice again. Oh, you're on a roll. You get me all pumped and excited for watching this stuff. Yeah, man. Uh, mine goes now to number three pick is 2002, uh, a match that we've spoken about quite a few times and one that is quite influential when we start watching wrestling. It's the return of the Heartbreak Kid, Triple H versus HBK uh, for SummerSlam 2002. Nice. The build-up to this match was... Ah, oh, so good. So memorable. I wasn't a big Raw guy in 2002. I was always SmackDown. Yeah. But I tuned in to watch this one because it was another of the kind of whodunit mystery kind of style. Um, I didn't know a lot about Sean um, at the time. It was kind of a case of Sean was kind of out when I was getting into wrestling. He, he kind of wasn't a factor. Um, so then here comes this guy who everyone's like, oh my God, it's the Heartbreak Kid. And I'm like, I have no idea who that is. Yeah. Um, but the way they talked about him and the way they looked at, he looked as well. Cause like you hear the way they build him, he's like the older guy, one of, you know, one of the veterans and stuff. And by that point, veteran in my head meant like Vader, Macho Man, Hogan. And I was like, this guy doesn't look like anything like them. He's in really good shape and I don't understand why he's not wrestling anymore. Um, but the build to it was kind of a case of Triple H bought out Sean, my, my best friend, Sean. And he comes out and they tease a little DX reunion. Triple H hits him with a pedigree and everyone just loses their mind. And they're like, why did you do that? Why? What happened? Um, then it's kind of a case of uh, Triple H makes it clear that he's not the sidekick of Sean anymore. He's He is, pun intended, he's the game. He's the main player when it comes to it. And kind of the case of that was afterwards it was a case of triple h doing a promo in the ring and i really like this touch the stage guy was like triple h come here come here come here and he's like what what do you want and he sprints off to the back and sean's been had his head round through a limousine limousine window and it becomes this whole thing for the next couple of weeks of like who attacks sean and triple h does such a good job because he goes around threatening everyone with a sledgehammer it was like who do you or cripple you and all this kind of stuff and you honestly <laughs> But basically, he did say that to a lot of people. Um, you did believe that Triple H hadn't done it, and there was um, this almost, they'd make amends, reform DX, and then go after whoever attacked Sean. Um, and then Sean, they did that via satellite promo between the two of each other, and Triple H is like vowing to get whoever did it, and... Sean and his best acting known to man. It's like, yeah, I think they can do stuff with computers where they can enhance CCTV and stuff. <laughs> and they, they told they me in church. <laughs> if you know what I mean. <laughs> and, and they enhance the image to reveal Triple H. And it's one of my most favorite Triple H, like, despicable moments. He turns away from the camera and then he just turns back and a smile forms on his face and he goes, it was damn right it was me, Sean. And he just goes on about how, you know, he doesn't have it anymore. He's old. He's past it. He's, his career is dead. HBK is dead. And 
Uh, then Sean says, I, I can't wrestle anymore, but I can fight. And it leads to that street fight. And then Triple H says again, big fan of saying this at the moment. He was like, I will cripple you. I will <laughs> cripple you in that ring. And then he does this triple, classic Triple H where he takes a bit too far. And he's like, you won't be able to pick up your son. You won't be able to hold your wife. You won't be able to satisfy your wife. I'll screw her brains out. <laughs> it was on that level. He was that close. That close. And Sean, he said it, Sean said in a way, don't talk about my wife in, uh, in character and also back off. Yeah. <laughs> I know what don't you're capable of. Wife. Don't talk about my wife. The now. same wife, the same wife that he lets get punched by Chris Jericho a few years later. <laughs> you know, tomato, tomato. Yeah. It's, it's, it's all going. Um, and they just, I don't know what was so good about it in the sense of just the build between the two of them made that match because there's always street fights, you know. Oh, it's unsanctioned or it's a street fight. This actually felt like it. Well, they hyped it up. They hyped up the return of a legend so well, didn't they? And mm. and I think this is the only time it's ever happened. They hype up the return of a legend, and then that legend comes back and performs just as well, if not better, than he ever has in the past. Yeah, and that was the surprise, wasn't yeah. it? Because he says in that uh, satellite promo, you know, I can't rest anymore, but I can come back for one more and I can show my son that a man can stand up what he believes for and he can kick your ass. You know, <laughs> what Sean wanted the program to be, he wanted one more match to show his son that, you know, that this is what dad used to do. <laughs> and that was it. I'm, I'm going to show my son what a man can do. So I'm going to strap on my assless chaps. <laughs> <laughs> Dance with a Bible verse on my chest. And then bleed. Uh, America's a weird place. Yeah, it is. I think, I think just WWE is a weird place more than America. <laughs> yeah, and he did have later careers where he tag team with God. Daddy's with God now. He did. Well, yeah, I mean, God sort of no-showed, didn't he? God screwed Sean. But um, <laughs> but no, this 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 SummerSlam match. I do love this match, and it's brilliant. I have a, well, my number one criticism is it's a street fight, so Sean comes out in jeans and his like vest as he should because it's a street fight, so you should come out in street clothes. But he's still wearing his stripper sort of chap stuff over the top for his entrance, which I find a bit weird. And uh, my other criticism is it was too weapon heavy and gimmicky, but I understand why it was because they didn't know. They thought that would be stuff they could use to disguise Sean being the fact that Sean wasn't very good anymore. Yeah, exactly. Turns out they didn't need that at all, but they didn't know that. And no, like, and you say, why didn't they practice it? But why would you practice it? If you think you can only do it once, do it on telly. Do you know what I mean? But hundred percent. But like looking back, and knowing how good Sean was, it was like, you didn't need all those gimmicks, but um, but they obviously didn't know that at the time, so you can forgive them. Yeah, and you've read more of like the Sean books than, than me, so I don't really know the, this part, because obviously they finish um, the match with, you know, Sean gets the victory, and then Triple H buries the sledgehammer into his back. Yeah. And it's, you know, he's crippled Sean, that's it, he's done. And then he comes back, skipping and dancing like a month later, because he's like, actually, no, I do want to wrestle again. Yeah, it's exactly um, that. But, uh, yeah, was it just kind of a switch that he just went, actually, that was pretty fun? Yeah, that was supposed to be his last match. And he said, I mean, Triple H said it in interviews as well. They said the second that, you know, um, the second the first bump happened in that match, they were like, oh, this is like, he's got it, man. He's like, he's exactly where he left off. He's absolutely fine. 
and Sean Michaels felt that as well and supposed to be a one-off but felt I mean Sean says you know oh God spoke to me and said I should go back and all that shit but it, like he he was obviously in good shape he is just so naturally gifted at what he does and so he was like okay I can come back and and it was Vince that then said to him you know well if you come back um I'd like to put the title on you because I think it would be a really nice sort of fairy tale story if you've got to come back it was a few more matches at the time that Sean had agreed to so yeah, okay I'll come back for like Survivor Series Royal Rumble Wrestlemania and stuff and so Vince said okay well in that time I'd like to put the title on you nice fairy story all that stuff so Sean started working out really hard this is all in his book so I worked out really hard ready for Survivor Series wanted to look ring fit and good for Survivor Series and worked too hard and damaged his knee so he rung Vince up and said, I've really hurt my knee. I, if you want, you know, just uh, change plans. I, I'm not going to make Survivor Series. And Vince is like, no, 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 you'll, you'll do Survivor Series. You'll be fine. It'll be great. And it's like, Jesus, man, like the guy's ringing you telling you it's really hurt. <laughs> and Vince is just like, no, no. It's you're all in your head. It's yes, all in your head. Exactly. So, so Sean went through with it and it was great. And it was a lovely moment when he won the title at Survivor Series. But that was the last time Shawn Michaels held a world title. Survivor Series 2002. 2002 and he lost it the month later at Armageddon 2002. And think of how long he wrestled after that as a main event player and never, ever held any titles again. And really didn't need to stunning isn't it yeah but it's when you think about it it's mad isn't it how long he wrestled at that high level without even touching a title yeah yeah and they'd keep him in the programs but it never felt like he was losing and he just wasn't going to get it you know yeah he could lose it and then four months later challenge again and you go okay cool sean's challenging yeah yeah uh but i think that that whole promo that made me a Shawn michaels fan from the get-go i became obsessed with him after that and it's what got me like into Raw because I was purely SmackDown, but seeing Sean on Raw and stuff uh, just made it that much more exciting. And as you say, without that match and how natural though their chemistry was, because obviously they do have that natural chemistry between them. They had a feud for two years going on from that, and it never—I don't think it personally got boring for me. As a kid, it didn't get. But I've gone back on it now as a grown-up and. Um, the Bad Blood Hell in a Cell match that ended it all, um, Bad Blood 2004, now bores me to tears, I have to say. But yeah. when I watched it... I remember it, you saying was, that last week, it's kind of lost that kind of yeah, charm to it. absolutely. It? it goes on too long and not much happens. But as a kid, when I was invested in that storyline, I knew how long they'd been feuding and stuff. It was just so important to me to watch that. And it was like, this is the end. They're going to destroy each other. And I was so invested in that match and loved it. Loved it when I was in the thick of it. Yeah, so I, I just always have that in my head, that Sean going through the limousine, and then just that for the next couple of weeks just always stays in my head, and that kind of who done it, and then the reveal, yeah, I miss that kind of stuff. Yeah, totally. You know what they, they don't do nowadays? I was thinking about this the other day. Back in my day. Back in my day, Sean. They, um, you don't get backstage segments anymore in pay-per-views no. and stuff. You just don't get them. You get interviews, so there's an interviewer there speaking to someone, but you don't get that sort of Big Brother-style camera that's just... You know when the camera would just follow people around backstage and they wouldn't acknowledge the camera and yes. would just like have discussions with each other and things like that? That that just doesn't happen anymore. And it's such an important... I know like their argument would be like maybe it seems too hokey now or something, and it's like, well, the crowd won't believe it if like there's a camera there they're not acknowledging. But... 
I love all that. I love all that stuff. Yeah, it always seems to be when they when they do an attack backstage or something like that, they have to be in the interview process to explain why a camera's there. Yeah. Then someone comes in and attacks them. And yeah, I miss like Edge Christian and Kurt Angle in, in the locker room um, dicking about with kazoos or again, Kurt Angle with a tiny cowboy hat and Vince McMahon and Stone Cold Steve Austin playing Kumbaya. Yeah, all you that know. stuff is brilliant. Yeah, it's a shame. It's a shame. It is. Right, what have you got halfway through your list? I say halfway. Three is not half. There's no, there's no half of five uh, in this. Cheers. Yeah. Okay. Well, it was only a matter of time, wasn't it, before um, Redacted was going to come into the equation? Number three. Okay. Number three. Um, number three is um, Redacted, also known as Chris Benoit's journey to WrestleMania 20. Mm. Now, I thought this was going to be number one for you for sure. It's not number one for me, and um, you'll I'll you'll understand why number one is number one for me when we get there. But um, Benoit's journey to WrestleMania 20 was, I mean, initially, I think I mentioned this a few um, weeks ago. I lapsed in wrestling for a bit and came back real hardcore for Survivor Series 2003. That was like my first big show when I properly got back into wrestling and I haven't really stopped since. And um that that uh can't talk that match, um the opening match of that was Team Lesnar versus Team Angle. Um Survivor Series match. And that was when Cena and Benoit um came out victorious um as the sole surviving members of Team Angle finally beating Big Show. But during that match, um Benoit tapped out Brock Lesnar to just to um, eliminate him. Um, Lesnar being WWE champion at the time. This led to a nice program where Benoit obviously had a good shout at going for a title shot. So yeah. Heyman being the general manager at the time booked it. They had the match. Um, there was a ref bump, I believe. Um, and when the ref was out, Lesnar did tap out to Benoit. And then by the time the ref came back around, Lesnar had managed to get, um, Benoit in the Brock lock. Do you remember the Brock lock? Oh, I remember the Brock lock. That was a great submission. I missed that it submission. Was. Yeah. So, um, basically, it, it's basically a stretch muffler, isn't it? So you, yeah. you, it was, it was a, very, a really good name as well. Um, so <laughs> you, you pick someone up, um, by their leg, you wrap their leg so their knee is around your neck, um, pick them up and then basically sit on their back. So they're being stretched all over the place. So, and that's how this match ended. Benoit didn't tap out. He passed out a la Bret Hart. Steve Austin, WrestleMania 13, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so they could do the whole, you know, Benoit didn't quit. He didn't give up. He didn't lose. His body just gave up on him. He passed out. But the stipulation of this match was that if Benoit lost, he was never allowed a WWE title match ever again. So Heyman put that on him. He lost the match. So Benoit's never allowed a WWE title shot ever again. Mm-hmm. Then he manages to win a qualifying match to get into the Royal Rumble. So Heyman says, right, fine. You know the deal. I hate you. Um, you're going to be number one, the number one entrant in the 2004 Royal Rumble. And Benoit, I think, did one of his better acting jobs in this promo when it's, it's another backstage segment with the invisible camera, which they need to bring back. When Heyman is telling Benoit, you're going to be number one. You are number one. In fact, you're going to be number one in the Royal Rumble. And he's pointing his finger at him, poking him in the chest. And Benoit just grabs his finger and goes, do I understand you? Do I understand you? 
my hopes, my dreams, my family. We know what happened to them. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm going to win the Royal Rumble. And I can't remember what he says, but he basically breaks his mm. finger and walks off. Awesome, right? Do you remember this? We were at school and yeah, we were yeah, all right. taking bets on who was going to win. And I went for Benoit and Goldberg had been confirmed as number 30. So a lot of people... Um, he was the, yeah, yeah, I remember because we had like a one pound bet on... Whatever happened to that money? I made it because I was. Did you? Did they actually my, give you the money? Yeah, brother. I I, I made about nine pounds, which was a lot of money. A lot of money when you're 15 years old. When you got nine, finding nine people that like wrestling was hard enough at school. Let alone ones that <laughs> were to get money out of them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but. Um, um, so I won with my Benoit prediction coming number one, and everyone else bet on Goldberg. Everyone was convinced Goldberg was going to win at number thirty. And uh, a couple of people like Kurt Angle as well, I think, because he dedicate he'd said he was going to win for the um, troops that year. He'd said he was going to win and dedicate his victory to the troops in Iraq, and it was like, right, you said that. How the hell can you lose now? Do you know what I mean? But <laughs> but he did. And Benoit got. He also it. said he didn't like black people, and look how that worked out for him. He did say that, yeah, and he said he wanted to tap out Jesus, but he also had a bit of a thing for um, Charmel, Booker T's wife, so he's contradicted himself there. Um, and, and Jason. I think he Jordan contradicted himself. himself when he had a son. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Jason Jordan has contradicted <laughs> that. Um, but, uh, so Benoit went on to win, stunning. But then, the best moment was the night after on Raw, we were talk- you were just talking about the Shawn Michaels Triple H rivalry. Yeah. Benoit just pops up on Raw. And this was quite early in the brand split. We were, what, two years in or something? Year and a half? It was middle of 2002, wasn't it? And, yeah. This was the first time someone had jumped brands. So Benoit won the Rumble, correctly pointed out that it said you get to challenge for the title, but it doesn't say what title. So he went for the world title on Raw, inserted himself in this epic Shawn Michaels Triple H feud. And um, if you watch, and it, it summed up really nicely on, um, you know, Wrestling Isn't Wrestling, the Max Landis YouTube video. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant video. Gr- amazing video. And if anyone hasn't watched it, you need to watch it. It's stunning. But um, it's all about it. It basically takes the career of Triple H and tells like a really a good sort of sideways view narrative on his um, storylines. And it's great. And this one is sort of Benoit just popping up between Sean and Triple H. And Triple H is still convinced. He's like, no, it's between me and Sean. This guy, this little Canadian twat means nothing. It's between <laughs> you and me. And so that's what he's focused on. He's focused on Sean. But it ends up being a triple threat at WrestleMania. And Benoit just stunningly takes the victory. And and because, you know, if you want to view it that way, he gets the victory because Triple H is so focused on ending it with Shawn Michaels, he takes Benoit for granted. And that's, that's how Benoit gets the win. I always remember in that, in that storyline, the build-up of how Shawn interjects himself into the match because Benoit's doing his contract signing yes. uh, for the title and Shawn comes out and he's like, I'm sorry, but it's not finished between me and Triple H. And Benoit cuts a pretty good promo to him. Um, and then Sean just delivers the super kick and signs the contract instead of Chris. Yeah. And then and Eric's face, like, playing into it. And then, yeah, he, he has to make it a triple threat match. It, I love that. It's instead stone, of just going, oh, we'll just add you in. It's Stone Cold as co-general manager that makes it a triple threat match. He comes down on his... Um, 
quad bike. Do you remember when he used to do that all the time? I used to love that. He used to come down on his quad bike just all the time. And um, he came down and um, he was speaking to Triple H with the Watts, you know. So like, this Sunday, what? It's going to be a triple threat match. What? Between Benoit, Sean, and Triple H. And then Triple H freaks out and then so comes off on his quad bike to go um, drink beer and beat Deborah. And he... um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but the match is great and it's my favourite Wrestlemania uh, is it my favourite Wrestlemania match? It's certainly my favourite Wrestlemania main event of all time the Wrestlemania 20 main event and yeah it's an excellent choice that's another um, list for another day isn't it Wrestlemania that is, matches but, yeah, um, we'll get to that one yeah but um, and another reason that made that match so good is um, we were right in the middle of Triple H's reign of terror so we were yes. so so used to Triple H winning all the time and a big part of me, even watching it then, was like, Triple H is just going to win. He's going to win. He just wins everything. The year before, he squashed Booker T for no reason whatsoever. He's going to win. And it finishes with that. So he hooks up. I think we just spoke about this the other week as well. He hooks up the pedigree. Yeah. Um, and then he... And then it, they jump. Like, he goes for the jump. His knees bend, and he's ready for the jump. And then at the last second, Benoit reverses it into the crossface. He's in the crossface. He's panicking. He's struggling. He rolls over to the ropes. and No, he doesn't. He's so near the ropes. He nearly grabs the ropes. He rolls it. It's like, oh, God, he's going to roll through. He's going to be all right. They roll through, still in the crossface, flat banging in the yeah. middle of the ring. Ah! Oh. And then... I rewatched it recently. It is... That bit goes on for so long. God, it's so good. The, the crowd are just like at a fever yeah. pitch when he's just there. And they just keep it going and going and going. And then he starts scratching at the hands. And you can see him get more and more frantic until he has to tap out. Oh, it still gets it. You know what? It... So I, I watched that match recently as well. And it got to the point where, so Shawn Michaels, I know this match so well, I could just recite the whole thing to you. Um, Shawn Michaels goes for the super kick on Benoit. Benoit ducks it, throws him over the top rope. That's Shawn Michaels gone. Benoit has his back to Triple H, looking out to the ring at Shawn Michaels, just going, yeah, fuck you, like you're out. And then he turns around and Triple H kicks him in the stomach, ready for his pedigree. That's when I have to pause it. And I have to stand up and pace around my living room. <laughs> just because I'm like, oh, I just know what's about to happen. This is awesome. And so I have to pace around and I'm like, this is just such a good moment. Then I sit down and unpause it, watch that pedigree reversal, watch Triple H panic, the roll through, the fans going mental. And then that final tap and Benoit's music, which is one of my favorite um, wrestling entrance musics as well. Um, Benoit's music. Uh, blasts out fans are going mental JR does one of the most underrated calls of his career Chris Benoit Chris Benoit's 18 year odyssey has culminated in winning the world heavyweight championship at Wrestlemania 20 and he just screams it out oh man it's this should have been my number one you're right what am I doing with it it's such a good moment man I could just watch it on repeat such a shame it never happened, really. Oh, man. Well, uh, what, a, what a beautiful redacted moment it could have been. <laughs> really, really nice make-believe story you made up for yourself. <laughs> Thank you. I'll wake up in a bit. <laughs> um, oh, got me fired up now. I'm sweating. So I got a bit emotional. Though. Yeah. Glad I got the loose pants on today. <laughs> um, my number two pick is... Um, uh, people are just never one people are going to get angry about. I should have picked. <laughs> I'm knocking out like, the park, mate, and you're just picking these rubbish little story though. <laughs> I actually went for ones that are really like personal to me, and everyone's just going to be like, "Nah, what a waste! <laughs> what an absolute waste!" Um, I've gone for The Rock versus Austin 
but Rock and Austin Mania 19. Oh, really? Over 17? Yes. Yeah, now, I, I knew this would be the thing. The argument will be Rock and Austin at 17 is more iconic. Yes. And I agree. WrestleMania 17 is the first WrestleMania I watched, but I never watched it live. I never saw the build-up. So my mum's cousin uh, lived in New York, and he knew I found out I was a wrestling fan. So he sent me some VHS tapes of No Way Out 2001 and WrestleMania 17. That's nice of it. I know, right? So I, I saw them like couple of months after um after after it kind of happened did you send it um, back to america what am i going to send him jesse such, what am i you're such an ungrateful relative 11 years old what do i have to offer love no nah, i literally just took them and watched them until they didn't work anymore <laughs> um but i because i never saw the build of the wrestlemania 17 i saw the no Mer- uh, the no way out match and i saw wrestlemania the video package alone should make it work because the video package of WrestleMania 17 probably the best. If it's up there, I think I'd put it that one. Daniel Bryan's monster, you know, it, it's up there with those kind of level of ones. Um, yeah, but WrestleMania 19, I saw in its entirety, and it just felt like I knew the history of 17, and this just felt special. This is the third match. Um, the build of it was kind of a case of. Uh, th- this match could have main evented easily, but it, it wasn't about titles for the first time. It was uh, Raw's kind of main event halfway through the show. Um, and Rock was heel, Austin was face. The build was Rock had returned to WWE. He'd been out of WWE for about six months. The last time he was seen was losing uh, the title to Brock at SummerSlam. Yeah. Went to the Scorpion back. King. Yeah, then he did Scorpion King. Underrated classic. <laughs> uh, he came back. Him and Hogan had a WrestleMania rematch at No Way Out. Did they? Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I completely forgot about that. That's actually a really good pay-per-view. That's the one where Austin comes back against Bischoff, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah the Asker King contest. So you got... Both of them have been away for a while. Um, Austin has been away due to beat Deborah. Yeah. Um, and he'd been at home for a while. and He took his ball and went home, as they said, because he refused to drop to Brock as well, didn't he? Yeah, is the famous, famous line from The Rock. Here's the biggest, is the biggest mistake of my career, son. That's what Austin says. That's how he sounds. Yeah. Exactly that. Um, so they've both been gone for about six months, and then they both came back on this show. Rock and Hogan. Rock finally turned heel by siding with McMahon to take out Hogan. Part of the deal was he could come to Raw. Uh, Austin was back in the sense of it looked like he was back for a long run. It really did look like it was like oh, Austin's back to his old form. Here we go. So he comes out and um, the next night on Raw, so he Rock says he kind of struck a deal with McMahon so we could get a title opportunity. So he gets entered into the, the Battle Royale and gets eliminated by Booker T. And Booker T goes on to face Triple H at Mania, which was not what you saw coming, because it was The Rock and Booker T as the final two, and you went, up oh, Rock versus Triple H at Mania, which would have been great. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Booker T won, and uh, I'll get angry about that. that was it, yeah, that's such a waste of a, a miss we'll, mistake. <laughs> we'll get to that, we'll get to yeah. that. Um, and then Austin comes out, and he's cutting a promo, he was just named Superstar Decade by the fans, and then The Rock comes out, and he says, I've never beaten you at WrestleMania, never beaten you one-on-one at WrestleMania, and that's kind of what kicked it off. And uh, it was just the promo back and forth between the two. They, if you watch the WrestleMania 17 promo and the WrestleMania 19 promo, 
they're almost identical minus the Deborah bit. It's <laughs> a case because in seventeen, like Deborah becomes the Rock's manager, and then Austin's like, if anyone lays a hand on my wife, there'll be how to pay. Which is ironic, seeing as what happens. <laughs> <laughs> but then oh, it's the same yeah. kind of. Yeah, yeah, man. <laughs> so, like, Rock gives a stunner to Austin and flips him off, does all that kind of stuff. Um, and then you had stuff where, like, the Hurricane was facing the Rock and Austin distracted him and Hurricane got a win over the Rock. That was a brilliant mini feud, Hurricane and the Rock, in the middle of all that. They had yeah, some great yeah, promos backstage on each other as well. Just to kind of break up between two and you're right the comedy between them was awesome and then it was the the raw go home show before wrestlemania it was a case of uh stone cold was banned from the arena which always 100 percent never fails in the world of wrestling yeah well austin don't give a damn about your rules son <laughs> i want you to record my voice man <laughs> so the rock does his first rock concert and the rock concerts ah just just one of my favorite things he's ever done. Uh, but then Austin comes down to ramp. Shockingly, security's not that great in the arena. And they just about to go up at it. And then Rock ducks out. And it just builds builds that match even more. And the thing that we learned later, uh, especially during that WrestleMania 19 documentary. Do you remember that little documentary they did? Yes. Was it called The Mania of WrestleMania or something? Something like, like that. Or, um, no, no, no. It's called... Um, it's literally called WrestleMania the movie, I think, because King keeps um, like he drove mentioning that, mental. yeah, through WrestleMania 19. So it's an extra on the WrestleMania 20 DVD, and it's called the WrestleMania the movie, and it's like an hour long documentary. And it should, I say, it, sh- it should be on the network because it's really good. But yeah. but I think I know why it's not on the network because in this sort of era, they don't want to um, be accused of. Um, What's the word? Like not respecting or making their wrestlers work when they could die. And yes, there was a lot of that. And this this documentary basically omits, like just shows you that they let everyone work. And they like, there were a lot of people that were damn near ready to die that night and they let them work. And that's not something that they want to advertise nowadays, especially post-redacted. They don't want to advertise that. Yeah, 100%. Because this was... Um... I'm sure you've all seen like the WE24 series that they do. This was kind of like the first one, basically. Yeah, they did it. But as Jesse says, it Kurt Angle was like, "Yeah, my neck was broken when I went into the match." <laughs> yeah, it was like, "Yeah, one wrong bump could paralyze me for life." It's cool. <laughs> and and this was another thing: Austin's health issues. He was admitted to hospital the night before WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, the panic attack, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, and he had to be, like, admitted to hospital, and then wasn't sure if he could do it, if his timing was going to be off, um, and, and they never once advertised that this was Austin's last match. Oh. From the look of things, it looked like it should have been The Rock's, it should have been The Rock was going off to Hollywood, one, like, goodbye kind of thing. The only person that knew it was Austin's last match is JR. He's literally the only person that knew, and watching that match, knowing that, and listening to JR's commentary, you can tell JR is just like screaming his balls off of that match because he knows and he wants to give it justice. It's pretty cool. Yeah, very much so. And and the match itself is is amazing. I always remember um, the Rock cuts a promo before uh, the match as well. Yeah, and I love that promo. With Coach, I still, yeah, I can still remember all of it, and it's just 
such a good promo that he does that just adds to the feud again. And Act one and act two, they don't matter. The thing people remember, the thing people go home with is act three. That was such a cool line. I know. Why does that just stay in your head? It just always stays yeah, in your head that does, promo for some reason. Yeah, um, it was great. So, yeah, and, and the build-up to the match was, you didn't know his health issues, you're finally getting to see Rock and Austin free, and whatever health issues that Austin had or whatever he was dealing with did not even notice in the match. It was... Made it a great job. Yeah, the entertainment value was great. The minute The Rock put on Austin's jacket and he was given all of that cocky, you know, heel business, it was just just a great match. And what what a perfect send-off for Austin. I think so. Hey, do you want to know something interesting? I'm revealing all my wrestling nerd history knowledge here. Um, Lay it on me. Yeah, you know when he comes out with his um, leather jacket, the leather sleeveless jacket that Austin wears, and um, yeah. it says OMR down the side um, for yeah. his WrestleMania match? Do you know what that stands for? I do not. One more round. Oh. So he had that printed, and it was just between, you know, just for him, really, but because he knew it was his last match. It says one more round, his final match, and that's the jacket he chose to wear. I think that's I cool. Like it. Yeah. Yeah, obviously the WrestleMania 17 match is iconic, um, but the fact that this match doesn't get talked about in the same vein, I think is criminal. Yeah. It's, it takes three rock bottoms to put him down, and he does it. You see him go up to him and just say stuff in his ear, and then the respect leaves the ring almost immediately, and then Austin gets a an ovation. And this was in the era before people were kicking out of finishes left, right, and center. So back then, kicking out of three rock bottoms was a massive deal. Like a yeah, massive it meant something. Yeah, it meant something. Definitely. Cool. What I love oh, as well, emotional. just quickly as well, before we move on, um, I really like it in that um, WrestleMania the movie documentary about WrestleMania 19. They're talking about this match. And um, they so the camera's on the rock and uh, they say, so what did you say to in Austin's ear after the finish of that match? What did you say to him? And he says, oh, you know, that's um, that's between me and Austin. It's, um, I want to keep that private. Oh, yeah. And then they just cut to Austin, who obviously hasn't been clued in on The Rock's wishes. And Austin just goes, yeah, he just basically told me that he loves me and respects me. And then he's my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like, okay, cool. cool. Yeah. <laughs> that really beautiful secret. That could have been like a Lost in Translation-esque moment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Austin, don't give a fuck. <laughs> Uh, lay it on me then. What's what's number two, Daddy? Uh, two. We haven't had any crossovers yet. Um, you reckon? No. You reckoned we'd have at least two. So you have. I really did. You, I thought... you have to have this one for us to have two crossovers. So track record should be. Um, I think our number ones might be similar then. But let me hear what your number two is. Okay, my number two is um, CM Punk's pipe bomb, <laughs> leading into the summer of punk. Am I am I on track? You're on track, so I'm on track. Okay, so um, punk for me was... I don't know how I feel about punk nowadays. I feel like I've soured on him as a personality a little bit. But he seems like someone who is really ambitious whilst at the same time incredibly lazy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah like, I could see that. Like, he feels like he deserves all this respect, but he doesn't want he doesn't want to go out and earn it. Uh, but anyway, that's um, that's neither here nor there. CM Punk's pipe bomb, um, when he first laid that down on Raw, was just... That was another sort of... It hadn't happened in a long time. Wrestling had felt stale for a while, for me anyway. And all of a sudden, something a bit real happens. And he, he named drops Ring of Honor, he named drops Colt Cabana, and just amazing mic work. And 
that leads to Money in the Bank 2011, which mm-hmm. um, is one of my favorite WWE matches of all time. And that CM Punk entrance is stunning. Um, just I could just watch that entrance. And I, I have done, actually, the part. I just If I'm ever feeling down, I just watch CM Punk coming out in Chicago at Money in the Bank 2011. I love a good pop. A good yeah, pop always man. gets me. Yeah, I don't even have to watch the match. I just watch him come out hear the crowd and I'm okay I'm good I'm good for the day but he wins obviously um and then disappears from um from wrestling for two whole weeks and it should have been it should have been months it should have been months how cool would it have been if he just disappeared for months how cool would it have been if he had taken that title to ring of honor to new japan and behind the scenes some sort of deal had been cut which I'm sure they could have done and yeah well, they do it now, don't they? Exactly. So yeah. why not just bring it forward? And defended that title. By all means, bring the title back like they did, you know, a tournament to crown new champion and stuff and have one in um, WWE and have CM Punk defending it in New Japan and Ring of Honor. That would have been so cool. They brought him back after two weeks, which is a shame. But during this two weeks, did you know this? I think it was a Comic-Con. Yes, he came out during a panel. Yeah, um, that Triple H was on. And um, so CM Punk comes out as a member of the crowd and... So this is WE sort of taking advantage. I mean, Matt Hardy had done it on his own, as we've just covered, um, taking advantage of the internet to spin it to his advantage. But this was the first time WE had sort of caught onto that trend, and they were doing it with um, trying to make, excuse me, viral videos and stuff. And um, I I just think initially it was played so well, and it's such a shame that they rushed it and brought CM Punk back. And everything just went to shit. And that they brought Kevin Nash back, for God's sake. And he feuded with Punk through the summer of Punk, which was yeah, just that was unfortunate. bizarre. But, but the whole, but the bit from the pipe bomb to his victory at Money in the Bank and when he disappeared, it, I, I have never been so excited watching wrestling. Like I, You've never been so sport entertained. So sports entertained. Or certainly, I would say since, since Chris Benoit winning at WrestleMania 20 in 2004, this was in 2011, nothing had caught my imagination like that. Maybe with the exception of um, Undertaker, Shawn Michaels, their first WrestleMania match. But yeah. with, the, with the exception of that, there is nothing that excited me until that. Yeah, yeah, completely agree. So was that your number two or number one? Well, uh, I've I've done my number two, so my number one... Oh, right, you're just on your number one, are you? Yeah, which you've just shit on. Oh, I'm sorry, mate. Go for it. <laughs> Fill in the gaps. <laughs> My number one pick. Uh, no, honestly, you nailed it. Um, my number one pick is uh, the, the the whole CM Punk uh, Cena feud for that whole build-up that they did there. Um, the pipe bomb was obviously very important because the pipe bomb... Was that kind of first time again of blurring the lines of reality a bit? You know, you're talking about Ring of Honor and stuff like that. Yeah. What you got to remember is back 2011, him saying Ring of Honor was like, he can't do that. Oh, That's God, not yeah. allowed. Now you got JBL going, oh, he's an IWGP World Heavyweight Champion and he's wrestled for Evolve and we've got tournaments where we see footage from other companies. That was just not even a concept no. a couple of years ago. Not then, even a- it was WWE, like they say WWE Universe, they mean it or they meant it back then. You know, that was it. It was just you were in that realm of WWE and nothing else existed. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Um so he did the whole kind of work shoot promo against Vince McMahon and Laurinaitis and all of that. Um, 
breaking down the, the fourth wall and mentioning other other companies and stuff. It, but also in in relation to that, it was kind of a case of um, Punk was given a storyline suspension. He was stripped of uh, the title um, and Cena com- confronted McMahon and threatened to walk out himself of the company if Punk didn't get reinstated. And I think this was kind of the cool bit of the storyline because obviously. Um, Cena, not the most beloved superstar by the smarky fucks of the wrestling world. He kind of has that ear, you know, he's the company man. Punk Punk wasn't. Punk was, you know, a lot of people I talked to... He was the say, new Stone Cold. That's how he, he felt was new Stone Cold. Exactly, yeah. yeah, exactly. It was a case of Punk to a lot of people, and I've spoken to so many people who said, oh, I, I kind of stopped watching wrestling, but when Punk happened and the summer of Punk... I got really back into it and they started getting back into wrestling because of this. Um, and mainstream media was, picked up that pipe bomb in a way yeah. that they never do with wrestling. Yeah. It was like on sports center and ESPN. It was, it was huge. And then on an episode of raw, McMahon tries to sign punk to a new contract to make sure the championship would stay in the WWE. Um, and, if you've never watched it, the promo between McMahon and Punk, where Punk gets McMahon to apologise. <laughs> I apologise, you son of a bitch! Yeah, and just Punk's shit-eating grin, his smile, and the way he just pokes the bear, and there's that element of, like, okay, I know this is kind of stri- scripted, but I feel like Punk's saying stuff that is... I don't know if that's how good McMahon is at reacting to stuff, but you just feel like it's just him poking the bear because he's got the mic... What are they going to do? Vince can't shut off his mic. He's right in front of him. You know, it was that fun to watch. Vince McMahon. I will lay my lay my hat down and say that Vince McMahon is the best actor that WWE have ever had. Yeah, I would 100 percent agree with that. And anyone that disagrees can fight us. Exactly. Yeah, fight us. Comment, and we'll have a keyboard work fight. <laughs> Be like Matt Hardy again. Yeah, Cage <laughs> yeah, is the best. Version one, bitch. Um, so McMahon eventually agrees to Punk's demands and apologizes to Punk, but then Cena interrupts. Uh, the segment ends with uh, Cena punching Punk with one of my favorite lines of the whole feud, and I always think it's so underrated, when he's just talking to Cena, saying, like, you're not the underdog, you're the franchise now, you're everything you hated, you're not the Boston Red Sox, you're the New York Yankees, and he just punches them yeah. in such a believable way that... Yeah, it's like it almost feels like it did get to him that line, and then Punk walks away and doesn't sign the contract, and then we get to Money in the Bank, no contract signed. Michael Cole does a great job of commentary of making it seem that believable that at midnight, CM Punk's contract is over, he will be leaving the WWE with or without the title. Yeah, and the match itself, the pop we've talked about, I will watch again and again, and they just let it stew and sit there. And then Cena's music sit. And the thing, like, Cena gets booed, or Cena gets you suck chance, but those boos in particular were, they were so disjointed, they were, everyone was groaning, or there were different noises, and it just made it that much more threatening, well, the you, boos that he was getting. Well, it's interesting, because you, you can hear different gauges of pop, right? So, yeah. you get, like, when Stone Cold's glass shatters, you hear a, it's the guys, right? It's a low guttural, it's the grown adult men that are cheering when edge was a baby face in 0203 and he would come out it would be a chick pop you would hear the women and children sort of screaming right 
Yeah, me. Yeah, but it's <laughs> <laughs> but with this, with Punk's Pop that night, it was just all levels were covered. You could hear men, women, and children, just everyone going mad. And it's so rare that you hear that. Yeah, and and the match itself is such a good match, such a great match. It's great. It's, um, it's even a bit sloppy, but sloppy to the point where it feels more real because it's sloppy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like like a little fight when he does the um the knee on the ropes and they do it in slow mo. Yes, properly see Cena's jaw get cranked. It's amazing. And yeah, then yeah. Vince McMahon comes out with Laurinaitis, and you go, oh. This is how they're going to do it. It's going to be a Montreal less screw job finish. And Laurent Knight starts running to the bell area to call the bell. Cena just comes out. I think he didn't realize how fast Johnny Ace was coming. <laughs> he just, he goes down like a sack of shit. He just clocks him. He sounds like, down. he sounds like he smoked 60 a day, but he could run surprisingly fast. <laughs> and then GTS tried to cash in with Alberto Del Rio. I thought that was a great touch as well. Yeah. And then Punk on the guardrail, kissing goodbye to Vince McMahon. Well, I love that the attempt, the attempt at the screw job was the downfall because it, it was Cena getting distracted by McMahon coming out that ultimately led to him losing. Yeah, I, I, re- I really like that touch. And obviously, they they ruined it as we've said. You know, he was gone for two weeks. They did a tournament where Cena won the title anyway. Should have been gone till Mania. Should have been gone till Mania, and the title, you know, being defended. On the yeah, indie the company's up. in disarray. Even not necessarily being defended. Like, he's literally, Austin-style, taken his ball, gone home. Maybe did an appearance on in Ring of Honor with it, you know, sitting in the crowd. I think they could have got away with. Yeah, um, or just kept him then, at Comic-Cons and things like that, or press conferences, just keep him popping up regularly. Just popping up and let these videos go viral. Yeah, yeah. And then do something to kind of lure him back, you know, start you know, trashing the name of Punk or, you know, just doing something. And then he just finally comes back. So they would have it. They could have left it till like, maybe waited until the Rumble and said, whoever wins this Rumble is now the new WWE champion. And that's when Punk kicks off and says, I'm the WWE champion and comes back. Yeah, that's all they had to do. Yeah. You know, just to play to that ego of, of his would have been, would have been the great way to go about it. So that's the only like downfall of that. Cause then you get the Kevin Nash stuff and... It, yeah, it, it goes downhill. But the build-up to Money in the Bank 2011, because, um, interestingly, little tidbit about that was it, it's a case of... Um, I was a little bit tuned out of wrestling at that point. I was... Um, I've never had really a downtime in wrestling, but that those couple of months before, I was literally just reading um, results online, and if something cool happened, like the pipe bomb, I'd go watch it on YouTube, and that was it. I wasn't watching pay-per-views yeah. or products, I was just reading about them. And then... Me and Jesse used to work at a place called Real Burger, and I stayed at my friend's Tom's house, and uh, I'd finish about two o'clock in the morning, but I, we used to still be pretty jazzed after work, wouldn't we? Yeah. Because we'd been up and had so much coffee put into us. <laughs> uh, so at like 2am, I was just downstairs in Tom's living room, flicking the channels, Money in the Bank was on Sky Sports, and I went, yeah, I'll give it a watch. What a great thing to stumble onto. Oh, man. Like, yeah, to watch live. If, you, if you were starting to lapse a little bit, then um, what a great thing to pull you back. Yeah, straight back in there. Right, so, Daddy-O. God, we're talking a lot today. What's, are, uh, what's, in fact, what's can, can I be honest with you? Yeah. For once. Um, uh, before I do my number one, I'd like to go have a very quick wee because I'm bursting. Can we do some editing magic to make this, make this an effortless transition? I might just leave it in. <laughs> okay, okay. 
I'll be I'll be two minutes max, but you know with editing I'm gonna magic, go, go we'll be seconds. Well. Yeah, yeah, I'm why not? Let's have an intermission. Let's have an intermission. Back in a sec. Um, right, fire away with your number one. Are we back? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Good. I'm looking forward to your editing job. Um, so <laughs> my number. Like you'll listen. <laughs> so my number one is Daniel Bryan's journey to WrestleMania 30. Ah, oh, of course it is. Of course it is. Now, there's um, there's a slight personal reason for choosing this one. Um, a very good friend of mine and a um, good friend of yours who's no longer with us, Rob Barnett. Um, I watched this WrestleMania with him and will always hold it in fond memories for that. It was the last um, WrestleMania we, that he was alive for, the last WrestleMania that we watched together. And um, so between this main event and Undertaker's streak ending and us two freaking out when that happened and stuff, like it has um, personal feelings to me on what a good time I had that night and treasuring his company. But what was, as, as a side note for what was Rob's reaction to Undertaker streak ending? I can't imagine it went down well. It was just kind of one of those, I mean, no one expected the match to end when it ended, no. obviously like, you know, it was that third F5 and like, we both sort of were just sitting there. We both, we both went bloody hell, kicking out of three F5s is a bit much. And then he didn't. And it was like, <laughs> well, and then it was, I'm sure, we did exactly what everyone else did who was watching it just got our phones out immediately and googling desperately trying to work out what um what had happened and what went wrong because it was obviously a mistake right like that's all we could think of and um because the music didn't play and stuff you know so it was like oh god like then what's happened is like maybe takers messed himself up so much he forgot to kick out i have no idea what's going on just yeah it's going mad but we had no idea what was going on but that was a lovely evening. We um, watched WrestleMania 30 together. And before we watched WrestleMania 30, we played Castle of Illusion on... Um, no, World of Illusion on the Sega Mega Drive and um, co-opted it all the way to the end and completed it with Mickey Mouse and Donald Duck. That was a good time. But... Um, Great game. This Daniel... Yeah, it's a fantastic game. Um, top five Mega Drive games. We'll do that one day. Um, but this um, Daniel Bryan... Just like you said earlier, the monster... Um, package that they did for it was just stunning did you get nervous such a well no 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 i'm not um, i'm not insecure max i can roll with um i can roll with any crossovers but (laughs) um god the um yeah that package was incredibly done really well made and the whole like and i would date this i would put the timeline of this storyline from SummerSlam to wrestlemania when yes. Daniel Bryan won the title from Cena at SummerSlam in a really good match. Um, and then with Triple H as guest referee, then Triple H turns heel with getting Randy Orton to cash in his money in the bank straight away and become champion. Um, and Triple H and Stephanie McMahon played it so well, you know, the whole, um, you're not who we want as champion and playing the corporation and stuff. But that's not what, um, that's not what the plans were. And they know damn well, that's not what the plans were. And they can tell us otherwise, but they didn't want Daniel Bryan in the main event at WrestleMania 30 for a shoot. They didn't want Daniel Bryan anywhere near that. It was purely the fan reaction and the fact they wouldn't shut up. They got him in that position. And I love that. 
I love, and that's how wrestling should be. You shouldn't, you being the company, shouldn't have to pull the wool over fans' eyes, try and trick them into liking people. Just let the fans tell you who they like, man, and roll with it. That's what they did with Daniel Bryan. That's what they did with Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, it was. I'll, I'll always the remember the, um, when, when they're all in the ring in their suits and stuff and they've got like unified titles there. Uh, and the crowd just start, just Triple H is trying to talk and they just keep chanting Daniel Bryan, yeah. Daniel Bryan. Amazing moment. That was great. That was, I think, um, Brian referenced that in his retirement speech, didn't he? And that was the last time yeah. his dad was in attendance to see him live, I think, which is nice. But, um, yeah, just, um, the way that storyline culminated, uh, accidentally or otherwise, I mean, WE, when they realized what was going on with fans just rejecting everything and screaming for Daniel Bryan, to their credit, they did the best job they possibly could in the way they booked him at WrestleMania. And it was just an incredible moment, reminiscent of WrestleMania 20 with the triple threat and the, um, and the tapping out to the cross face yes lock, you know. Scarily reminiscent yeah. of the whole, you know, the whole build of it, you know, with Batista, Randy, you know, it, it was, yeah, it was weird. I even Very think, spooky. I don't know if this was deliberate or not. I like to think it was, but in the opening match, which was um, Daniel Bryan and Triple H, um, yeah. Daniel Bryan gets Triple H in the S lock, which is basically the cross face. And it is so eerily similar to WrestleMania 20, except the roll through thing happens Except this time, Triple H nails it, right? And I like to think that that's a sort of callback to he was here, he was in the same position 10 years ago. He's learned. Do you know what I mean? If you, if, if that was deliberate, oh, that's such cool yeah. psychology. I take that as that's exactly what happened, you know, storytelling-wise. He, oh, wait, this has happened before. I know how to counter out this. Yeah, and um, you can't reference where, when it happened and who it happened with. But... Just yeah, just the way he played that was stunning. Credit to Triple H on that. Yeah, um, and the whole start of that, you know, with the Bray Wyatt and joining the Wyatt family and finally breaking free because because that just seemed so random as like just something for for Daniel to do, but really it, it was as you say it was the undoing of WWE that that's what you know the minute he did that breakout in the cell in the cage, sorry. And he turned on them and was broken free, as it were. Just the crowd going nuts and him on the cell doing the yes. And then the yes movement of getting the fans into the ring as well. There's just so many moments from that build and that package. It was great. And his match with Bray Wyatt at Royal Rumble was great. Um, yeah. Bray winning, again, seemed a bit odd. But, um, but it was a great match. And then the Royal Rumble happens. And poor Rey Mysterio... <laughs> <laughs> I, I love I love Rey Mysterio to pieces. He was in your top five, wasn't he? Um, am I remembering that right? Your top five favorite yeah. wrestlers? Or he's, he was. He certainly. Um, he's certainly he in some of your yeah some of your top matches. I think he's certainly yeah. But um, God, um, poor Rey coming out at number thirty. All people wanted was Daniel Bryan, and they just booed Rey out of the building. It's not his fault. Like he didn't book it, but just booed Rey out of the building for that and. Yeah, poor Ray, but it all led to just the, a stunning, stunning Wrestle, uh, WrestleMania 30 is one of the better WrestleManias in general. And, um, I thought the main event was just, um, stunning, stunning ending. Yeah. And then you've got the, it was the last time it kind of 
had that feel of it, it wasn't a small mania in terms of venue size, but you know it was an in, enclosed uh, arena. And it, it was it was massive, but it just had that kind of when he's on the announce table, and obviously we were all um, emotional wreck with the whole Connor the Crusher thing going on. Oh God, yeah. Um, obviously, when he passed away uh, the following year, and the Hall of Fame speech and stuff, I think we all somehow watched it individually and just all warned each other of what was coming. Yes, you were you were staying at mine, because we watched WrestleMania 31 together live, but I had to go to work the day before. Yes. So I'd, I'd already watched the Hall of Fame that night, and then when I, I was at work, you caught up with it the next day. So I, I warned you how emotional it was, and then I get home from work, and you're just sort of sitting there. <laughs> I was absolutely, yeah, absolutely shell. It just hits ruined. because Dana Brooke... Dana Brooke, a Dana uh, Warrior um, inducts um, Connor, represented by Connor's dad, doesn't she? And so she's yeah. a, she's obviously an emotional wreck. She lost her husband a year ago, and so that's touched on. And just the whole thing is just tears of and and you know uh, from a personal perspective, the the reason we'd all got together to watch Mania in many ways was because our good friend Rob was no longer with us. Yeah, so well, it's a tribute to Rob. So yeah. we were just not in a. Wasn't a great mindset was, to be in for that just, mania. There was so much emotion going on. <laughs> I think that's why it stands out as such an important WrestleMania, that one. Really does. Yeah. I always say to people, like, oh, 31's one of my favourites. And they're like, really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, God, yeah, 31. I, I, I stand by it, even without the emotional attachments we have to that WrestleMania and the way we all watched it together. Um, no standout matches, but the way it was just put together that night was um, the, just the moments were incredible. Yeah, had had definitely had those WrestleMania moments they always bang on about. Yeah, and one of those WrestleMania moments was Daniel Bryan with the two titles, shoulder busted up, doing the yes chance with however many stupid amount of people were in that arena, and the confetti falling. Yeah, and the confetti coming down and the pyro. Yeah, that just a great moment. Do you reckon Vince was a bit nervous backstage? Like, don't kill your wife and kid. Don't kill kill him in the ring. Well, he didn't have a wife and kid at the time. That's probably why they let him um, be in the main event. True. (laughs) It's the only reason. Yeah, now he has. They won't let him anywhere near anything like that now. No, definitely not. Um, Yeah, excellent choice. I don't know why that didn't uh, compute in my head because it is such an iconic, especially of this decade and generation one of the most iconic kind of storylines that there is. It's the last time WWE listened to the fans. Yes, yeah, and made it mean something. Yeah. Truly special. So, as scared as we were for these top fives, I think... We did all right. Yeah. I was really nervous. I didn't have any notes for this one. I just wrote the, ma- I just wrote the um, you know, the storylines and said, just thought, okay, I'll speak about them. And I... You know, I put trust in you, my brother, and we um, bounced off each other well and talked about them. That was nice. This is where we get so many feedbacks. Of, what the hell was that? What are you on about? <laughs> it just sounded like you were bashing your head against a wall for two hours. <laughs> uh, so that was our top five of um, personal storylines that uh, are most memorable to us. If you've got any or if you'd like to talk about any that we have brought up, then obviously slam some comments in the comment area. Remember, you can find us everywhere on, um, subscribe to us on iTunes at Got Till 5. Uh, you can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, Acast, Instagram, and Twitter, and YouTube as well for any forfeits. Speaking of forfeits, my friend, we need to talk about TLC. It's prediction happening. time. 
tomorrow. Let me get me so on. So are we going to do, hang on, hang on, hang on. You said you were going to do an outro jingle. So are we? where is that coming? Is that going to happen now? Uh, no, I cut that in after I did the whole promotion of the social medias. Oh, you smart man. Okay. Whew. Done this before, haven't I? Well, so I hear. Uh, so, TLC, tables, ladders, and chairs, another gimmicky... Um, Isn't it Tender Loving Care? Tender Loving Care. That's what this is going to be. Yeah. There is Alexa Bliss and Mickey James. You never know. Hey, come on. Come on now. Keep it clean. Get in there, ref. Um... So, we'll start at the top. Uh, we're not doing pre-show. We never do pre-show. Sasha Banks versus Alicia Fox, though. That's a, Is that uh, the pre-show? That's the pre-show match. Oh, man. Uh, you know what? I've always been a supporter of Alicia Fox. Me too. I don't you think she's what? as she... bad as people think she is. The temptation... Because we had this discussion before we came on an air that uh, both of our respective partners said that we should put women in our wrestlers who should. And we were like, yeah, we agree, but we just... There's, we have five. There's no, there's no five slots. There's no storylines with women that um, have inspired either of us, and that's not that's not their fault. That's the booking committee's fault. No. It, it was very close to be putting Sasha and um, Bailey. Bailey in yeah, there. Yeah, I was you know, that, that's yeah. the most standout. Um, but wrestlers who could have moved, I, I was kind of tempted to put Alicia Fox in there because I think Alicia Fox could maybe do some good stuff elsewhere you never know yeah i think she's i think she's a good solid wrestler and isn't given the chance and uh, is overly criticized for no good reason i think i think she's a very good worker yeah definitely definitely um but prediction time tlc tomorrow lots of crazy changes happening so i have no idea how this is really going to go um whoever loses has to do a forfeit which we'll announce on the next show picked by the other person luckily we got a bit of a break before the next pay-per-view next pay-per-view is survivor series which is coming to us on november 19th so we've actually got like a month oh wow for once nice and we will be doing a survivor series top fives um before uh that particular show oh nice survivor series matches or survivor series five on five style matches we could do both we could couldn't we We've got the time. Okay. So we will we will see. But TLC tomorrow. Um first match we will predict is Alexa Bliss versus Mickey James for the Raw Women's Championship. This has been booked terribly, right? Because Alexa Bliss is constantly talking about how Mickey James is old. So yep. either way, Alexa Bliss is gonna look rubbish coming out of this. Either she wins and big deal, she's beating an old has been wrestler. Or she loses, she just lost to an old has-been wrestler. Do you know what I mean? Like, based on yeah. the way she's been promoing. Uh, so that's stupid. But um, I think Alexa Bliss is going to retain. Okay. And I think it will be a um, th- three-star match. Okay, fair. Middle of the, gro- middle of the road. Um, I'm actually going with Mickey James for the win on this one. Okay. I think they're going to give her one more title... Uh, kind of run, and they're going to do something with it at Survivor Series. Uh, maybe a team team system going on. If is there enough women to do that? Maybe. Uh, yeah, they could drag a mountain. Yeah, you could do a, a Raw versus SmackDown team. I feel like we're going to have a lot of title versus title at Survivor Series, and I hate those so much, so much. Yeah, this Brock and Jinder thing. I hope is going a different direction to where it's heading. Because what's the point? Yeah, I agree. It seems, yeah, it's just bizarre to me. The booking in WWE at the moment is um, baffling me, to be honest. Yeah, it's a bizarre world. Uh, so I'm going Mickey James to to kind of get her kind of last title run. 
Um, I'm actually going to say three stars as well. Yeah. So this will purely come down to um, Mickey or Alexa on that one. Yeah. Um, the next match. I love Mickey, if, by the way. If we disagree on this, I'll be very surprised. Asuka versus Emma is going to win that one. <laughs> Well, um, dirty roll-up. No, I think um, Asuka... Could you imagine? Yeah. Could you imagine? Oh, man. So Asuka's obviously going to win. I think it's going to be a very quick, squashy-style match to assert her dominance. And because of that, because of the fact it won't last very long, I think that it can't get more than a a two-and-a-half star. Yeah, yeah, I'd agree. Uh, Which is bad, because I don't want to agree with you when we're doing predictions. Uh, but yeah, Asuka has to win. We know Asuka and Emma can go because they had a great match to take over London. Very great was match. It, was it take over London yeah. or was that against Dana? No, it was take over London. Yeah, so yeah, they can go. And I really hope they kind of give Emma a shot to kind of prove what she can do. Um, I'm hoping it goes past a squash style match. So I'm actually going to say, I'm going to say three stars again. Okay. We shall see. Uh, next match is we're going to be looking at Kalisto, our current cruiserweight champion, versus Enzo Amore. Oh, Enzo Amore. <laughs> um, I think Enzo's going to win that title back because they just need to hop tail that big around yeah. for no good reason. And Kalisto won it on Eddie's birthday, and that was a nice moment, and that was good, good marketability and all that stuff. But I don't think they see anything long-term in him. I love Kalisto, by the way. Uh, 2K18 came out this week, and Kalisto was my first Royal Rumble winner on um, on WWE 2K18, so I have a soft spot for that, man. I haven't had my first uh, Rumble yet. Oh, I'm you should do it yeah, this evening. play one. And then, um, yeah, and then we'll, have, we'll do a um, Rumble winner against Rumble winner. I like it. Yeah, but, um, but yeah, I like Kalisto very much, but I don't think WWE hold much stock in him. So I think Enzo's going to win the title back. Um, oh, I can't. I can't see Enzo getting a good uh, two, two and a half stars again. Yeah, yeah. I'm a little torn on this one because it's like Kalisto would be nice for him to kind of cement himself in the division, but and they've been hot potatoing the title so much recently. It's ridiculous. And plus, Enzo. As much as I enjoy Enzo in the cruiserweight division, which I do, um, the fact that he spent his whole career on the main roster getting battered by everyone, only to get moved to the cruiserweight division and instantly win the title. It's like, what's that just makes the whole rest of the division look rubbish. Yeah. Yeah. It makes them really look like the undercard that they treat them as. Yeah. Not good. Um, I'm actually going with Kalisto to retain. I'm hoping it kind of, um, stays like this for a little while. They've got a lot that they can do with the whole five on five matches. Cause I, I feel like Enzo is getting a little team together. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I, I just feel like Kalisto. There's there's no rhyme or reason to this match, at all. No, I don't understand it. I'm just going to say Kalisto just because I want to. Okay, star. Um, <laughs> I'm going. Um, I'm going to go two point seven five. Oh, okay. So we're in the middle. We're in the close middle. there. Nice. Um, back on the two hundred five stream, uh, a match I don't understand. The Brian Kendrick and Gentleman Jack Gallagher versus Cedric Alexander and Rich Swan. Not I did, pretty sure, apparently. I didn't even know that was happening. Um, oh, God. I'll give you a little bit of background on okay. the story. So, 
uh, Gentleman Jack and D. Brian Kendrick have been feuding with each other. Yeah. However, Gallagher assisted Kendrick by attacking Cedric Alexander, aligning himself with Kendrick, and be- beginning a feud between Gallagher and a- Alexandra. On an episode of Raw, uh, if Gallagher, it was it was Gallagher and Kendrick were scheduled to face Alexander and Swan at TLC um, after Alexander defeated Gallagher. So it's a bit bit of a mess. But okay, you, what's happening. you made nothing clearer to me. Um, so <laughs> uh, I'm I'm going to go with um, Kendrick and Gallagher just because I'm a, I'm a very big Gallagher fan. Yeah, and yeah. it's going to be a three point five because they're all, they're all good workers. They're very yeah, very very good. Um, I tend to agree with you on this one. I think Kendrick and Gallagher will get it just because they're both amazing, and it seems like they're more leaning towards those two of what they want a team to be. So I'll agree with you on that one. Um, I'm just going three stars. I think it'll be a very quick match, like in the middle to break up some stuff. So I don't think we're going to get a lot lot out of them. Fair enough. Um, now, now it gets interesting because we have come to Finn Balor versus AJ Styles, mm. which was originally meant to be Finn Balor versus Sister Abigail. Yes. Um, so, as I said at the start of the show, that feels like a while ago now, doesn't it? Um, the listeners are like, yeah, it does. <laughs> yeah, it does. Hurry, Hurry up, sir. Sir! Um, it's going to be the highest rated match on the card at um, at 4.25. Ooh. And, um, oh, God, um, AJ's going to win. AJ's going to win, okay. They still want him strong on SmackDown, I think, and they can explain away a Finn loss at the moment. Yeah, with the way he's kind of been out with um, not that I'm happy about that because I love Fergal to pieces I'd kind of want them both to win this is kind of a tricky yeah, one yeah me too um, Finn Balor obviously to win because he's on Raw and it's a Raw brand pay-per-view but if you make AJ win who's kind of been not floundering but he started to lose some momentum with the US title and now he's lost it, it, it there's also not a lot going on for him but there's not a lot going on for Balor either mm do we pick up this Bray Wyatt feud when he's better and then they have the Sister Abigail Finn Balor match? Um, so you, they could, they could, yeah. they could quite easily do a um, finish with Bray Wyatt distracting Finn without actually being there, you know, with some sort of light magic and or something on the Titan Tron, something like that, that would distract him and give AJ the win and yeah, keep to keep the Bray feud alive. Do his hologram stuff. I'm going with Finn. I'm going with Finn as the winner of this because I feel like he's fired up enough. He was ready to to beat Bray um, and he's going to channel that towards AJ. So I'm going going with Finn on this one. Okay. And for a Um, bonus point, will he demon up? uh, I'm saying no demon. No demon. Um, Actually, hang on. I'm saying yes demon. You're saying yes demon. Then I'll say no demon. (laughs) Yes demon. (laughs) Cool. That's for a bonus point. Bonus point. Okay. And our main event, uh, The Shield, in some form or another, versus Braun Strowman, Cesaro, Kane, Miz, and Sheamus. I'm not writing out all their names on the list. Nah. In a 5 on 3 handicap, maybe, TLC match. Sierra Hotel. Integrity, intelligence, intensity. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a nerdy reference. <laughs> 
Um, I was happy with that one. Um, Shield, Shield with Kurt are going to win. And um, 3.5. Okay. 3.5. Okay, okay. They're going to protect Kurt as well, I think, because there's so many people in the match. Um, if you watch out for it, I don't think Kurt will take many, if any, serious bumps at all. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. There's no, not going to be any crazy spots. He'll take a chair, maybe maybe a table bump, but no ladder stuff. No. Yeah, that'll be down. This is where, this is where we're wrong and he's Jeff Hardy and all over the place. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever seen Kurt Angle in a ladder match. I'm trying to think. I, don't, I, I agree with you. Yeah, I don't think I have either. Hmm. We we will find out if that's true or not. Um, I don't know about this match. I really don't. I feel like there's going to be shenanigans afoot that we can't predict to make an accurate prediction on. Um, something take. Oh no, but they can't. I I would have said that something Taker related would happen to Roman, but Roman's not in the match anymore. So I, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. You've got the most random mismatch of people: Braun Strowman, Cesaro, Kane, The Miz, and Sheamus. The hell is that? Yeah. Uh, will Kurt Angle get Jason Jordan on his team? I, I, I don't know. I don't know how to, to kind of predict this match. Such a honesty. weird one. Such a, so out of left field, isn't it, throwing Kurt Angle into this? Yeah. Even without Kurt... I, like, okay, no, I take that back. If if it was just a shield, the shield were going to win. Yeah. You know, that's just how they had to do it. Um, screw it. I'm going to go with the five on three. I'm going to go for the team of five. Numbers are in their favour. So, and I'm going to just write Braun because I feel like Braun's going to get the win. Braun! Oh, on, uh, I'm going to say Braun on Kurt. I'm just going to throw all the predictions out there. Nice. But I feel like we're not going to be able to accurately predict this because there's going to be shenanigans afoot in that match. I think so. So, I'm going Braun's team uh, for the win. I think this is going to be a, a bit of a clusterfuck in all honesty. So, I'm going 2.75. Okay. Feel like there's going to be a lot of stuff going wrong with it, so we're we're kind of split this uh, this pay per view. I think we only agree on two matches. Yeah, no, this will be a good one. There'll be a decisive winner, won't there? Definitely, I think. Yeah, so we'll. Uh, uh, Mountain normally does his ratings on a Thursday, which is just when we record. So hopefully, like last time, it will be perfectly laid out. Um, as I say, we got four weeks until uh, the next pay per view, which is great. Um, which will be our second month anniversary because. On Saturday, when we did all the changes last Saturday, yeah. was our four-week anniversary. Oh, anniversary, babe. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Yeah. I mean, I haven't got a cake. Way to make an effort. You are, no, you haven't got me one. Way to make an effort, you, bitch. <laughs> and then they never recorded an episode <laughs> again. Speaking of which, we haven't talked about what we're doing next week. We haven't, actually. Um, have you got anything in your head? Oh. Okay. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What about if we do... So, first week, we discussed our top five wrestlers of all time, right? We did, yeah. What about next week, we discuss our top five current wrestlers of all time? Current? No, wait, that doesn't make what? sense. Top five <laughs> current wrestlers. <laughs> 60% of the time, it works every time. <laughs> we'll uh, talk about our top five current wrestlers working today. Current working wrestlers. Sound? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Across any promotion, worldwide. Worldwide? Um... <laughs> Can resist. Uh, that will be next week's top five, and we will post the questions to you. The Got Till Five universe just rebranded again. Sorry. Cool. No, we're called we're called Got Till Five, right? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Got Till Five people. 
Um, <laughs> it's not. As, it's not as good as the five count universe we had before. No, it's not, got is till it? five people got got till five Milky Way. Yeah, I guess. Cool. That'll do. Cool. They got to. They got till five Milky Way. You, um, yeah, feel free to comment on any of our social media platforms about your favorite current wrestlers and why, please, because I'm sick of asking these questions. And I always say, and why? And people just go, oh, AJ Styles. And then don't give me a reason. And it's like, I can't work with that. Just, you need to tell me why. Otherwise, <laughs> it's not worth reading out, is it, you stupid idiot? Bar that, please comment and let us know uh, what, what you think about that. Um, <laughs> So, this has been a very long episode. I don't know how. If you're still listening at this point, God bless. Fair play. Fair play to you. I've tuned out. I tuned out 20 minutes. <laughs> and I'm here. Um, but no, thank you for listening. Um, for all our new subscribers, thank you. I hope you are still subscribed after this one. And um, any new people, hit that beautiful subscribe button on iTunes or anywhere else that we can be found. Um, yeah, again, thank you for listening. Find us everywhere at Got Till Five with two hours because that really bugged Jesse last week. Even though I had to get out the Webster dictionary de- definition to prove it was right. Yeah, it turns out it is with two hours, but that seems stupid to me. I thought it would be like L apostrophe. No, that's stupid. But uh, thank you for another lovely week, Jesse. That was our top five most memorable personal storylines it was good i got a bit emotional but between um ben talking about benoit and talking about brian and everything it's um you got passionate about benoit i did man yeah it was good i didn't i think that that's what the 40 minutes running over time is yeah probably talking. i didn't i didn't expect that to happen to me i apologize but i also don't <laughs> I, I don't know what happened i, I don't know man <laughs> it just so it took over me <laughs> Uh, so TLC tomorrow, we'll find out who's right and who has to do a forfeit. I pray to Jeebus it's not me. And uh, we'll see what happens. But thank you all so much for tuning in. Jesse will say goodbye for both of us. Good night. Good night. And um, uh, holla, holla, holla. You have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number. A glorious number. You got to the count of five.